Welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Fasser, a.k.a. Coach Fass. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have Chris King, defensive coordinator at St. John Bosco in Bellflower, California. One of my good buddies in coaching and one of the best guys I know. Really great resource for information and an awesome, awesome travel buddy. We're still trying out this experimental format. So the first half, we talk about seven brackets, seven switch, you know, the man match Saban stuff. And then we get into his favorite pressure out of that coverage. And then we go into the Q&A topics. Topics on today's pod include defending RPO teams out of 10, 11, and 20 personnel. Tips for new defensive coordinators coming into the game. Linebacker reads when facing a zone read, power read, and wing T offense. How to simplify them. Approach to watching film and breaking down an offense. Our favorite trips, gun strong coverages. And a real terrible question at the end that uh, I'm going to give Gus Capolka uh, a bad time for because it was so hard that I started to record my answer and we had to stop because I couldn't imagine it. I had to had to get back to drawing it and it was uh, it was pr- a pretty funny exchange there at the end with Chris and I. Housekeeping items: Make sure you check out Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/CoachFast. We're still running the one month free special if you sign up for a year. As part of that, you get my stump and stubby presentation or stump and special presentation that I did PowerPoint with Visio drawings. Make sure you check out the coach tube courses. They're on sale for $49.99 for the entire bundle for the rest of the month. My best stuff over seven and a half hours of goodies all for the price of what most people sell for one video or one and a half videos. So go check that out. Follow me on Twitter at coach Vass and the show's account at MDGA podcast. Huddle did a phenomenal job. Got to give a shout out to Brendan Hall. The video I did last month, or I believe it was actually in August, where we went through a breaking down film and the checklist, they took that video and they made it into a checklist just for you. So you can print it out and uh, use it as a desk reference and what have you. Really, really great job by them taking that and uh, really helpful. In fact, I actually, it's kind of funny, I printed out my own stuff and kept the checklist because the way that they laid it out was even better how I originally laid it out. So check that out. And also you can check out some of the videos on the page. I did a two hour clinic with Brandon, taking you through my entire game planning process from start to finish back in May. If you got some time, if you're on a bye week or you're not coaching right now, check that out. I know it's hard to watch a two hour video in the middle of the season. So if you're coaching, check out the checklist. If you got some time, watch the video. If you're not, check out that video. It'll help you out. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Check out the website, www.coachfast.com. I'm in the process of making merch. I mentioned it last week. We're going to have fanny packs. We're going to have masks. We're going to have chef aprons. We're going to have shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, maybe even some baby clothes. I'll let you know when that store launches. I'm working on a project for the Patreon right now. Hopefully towards the end of October, I'll get back onto that. I got the uh, files from my graphic artist and I'm ready to roll. Lastly, make sure if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show, rate and review it only if it's positive. And spread the word. I've gotten a few tweets this week. People just nicely just tweeting out the show and it helps. Listenership is up. People are finding the gospel of the Make Defense Great Again brand. So I certainly appreciate that. All the kind words. It really makes this thing fun to know because you're in here, you record, and you kind of send this thing out to the world. And you see the numbers going up and listeners. But it's nice to hear good and bad reach out. I love to hear critiques just as much as I like to hear the good stuff. So please always share your thoughts with me. It's a long episode, so I'm going to let this on the road. Get ready for Mr. Chris King.
Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Chris King, a defensive coordinator at St. John Bosco High School in Bellflower, California. Coach, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I'm excited. I'm excited as well, man. Uh, the thing I'm not excited about is the fact that I haven't seen you. The COVID ruined our uh, spring trip. We were going to go to Clemson, Georgia, and God knows where else. So I, I, mean, miss- I look forward to that every. I look forward to that every off season, and that was a tough one this year. You know. Yeah, man. So it was. Talking football and you know all that good stuff. Well, when it looked like the virus was starting to slow down, I contacted a couple of places about coming to visit because, like, the Big Ten wasn't going to play. You know, something about maybe hanging out in season, but with COVID and stuff, nobody was letting anybody in. I tried, but, you know, I get it. I wouldn't do it either, and no, I, pr- I probably yeah, shouldn't I be going, know. but. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> so you've been on before, uh, so we're, so we don't need to do the bio and all that stuff. I'll jump right in. Before I forget, drop your, uh, it's, or I'll, the Twitter is at CJ Kinger. Did I get that right? I, I think so. <laughs> or is it Coach CJ <laughs> Kinger? I'll look it I, up. I Yes. I love that. You remember your own Twitter. Um, so if you guys have any questions or if any, if coach says anything that piques your interest, you can go ahead and hit him up. It's actually at coach CJ Kinger. That's coach okay. CJ K I N G E R. So follow coach. I used to do that at the end, but I've been forgetting the last couple of weeks. So I, uh, I've made it a point to do it at the top of the show. This week, I should probably do the research and know my own Twitter. Yeah, that, that could help. That, yeah, but I knew it was CJ Kinger because I, I know I've tried to DM you because usually what I do is I text, but if it gets super late, but I want to send you something because I don't want to forget, I'll send a tweet to you or send a DM, and I've I always go at yeah. Chris King, and I'm always like, no, that's not it. So maybe you should just change it to at Coach Chris King so I can help me remember, especially if you don't know if you don't already remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll one at least, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Easier to remember. So uh, anyway, we're gonna go ahead and start our topic today. We're gonna talk about seven bracket coverage. We'll also talk about seven switch, and um, we'll go into one of your favorite pressures that uses the same coverage. Uh, we may briefly include Stubby, but literally stubby is very very close to seven brackets so there's not a lot of different teaching as far as i know the way that i teach it but anyway so seven bracket for those of you guys because there is no universal football language uh, seven bracket is a man match quarter system where uh, and we've talked about this before a lot of people say well there's man there's zone and there's match coverage that's not true there's there's man there's zone there's zone match and man match and the question we get all the time is what's the difference so for those of you who do not know the difference between zone match and man match, so a coverage like Ripple is cover three, match three, the defender's going to drop to an area and then pick someone up and play them like man once they drop. But in man match coverage, the way I can describe it, it's I have this guy unless X. Then if X happens, I do Y, which is what this coverage is. So and that, that's exactly what we do with the kids. That's how we talk about it. it yeah, is our man match. Yeah, and it's that is what terminology. Yeah, and it's and it's con- there's some confusion there because when you hear the word bracket, people think that automatically. Well, if this guy goes here, he takes him. If this guy goes here, he takes him. Or they think it's just a true double all over the field, which you don't. You can play it like that, but 
you don't really do it like that. If you want to do that, you just play one double slot. So that's just kind of the generic uh, overview of the coverage. Um, corner's going to be on one. You're going to bracket two, and the backer's going to be on three. And that's like the plainest way I can describe it. There's obviously different rules and some things, but I'm going to leave that up to coach. I know that there are some different ways to teach this. As you know, in football, there are no universal rules. I did a podcast with Dante Barti on the entire cover seven package back with a <clears throat> podcast that I used to do something about diving somewhere. Um, you can check it out. If you go through my website, I have a playlist there, but that's one person's understanding and how they teach it. And I know Dante is very much a by to my knowledge, he's very much by the book Saban guy. And you guys might end up teaching it the exact same way, but I also wanted to get your spin we on it. We definitely tweak it to fit what we need, you know? Right. So we're not by the book the way Dante explains it. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Cause otherwise you, could, I mean, otherwise you could just turn on the Dante podcast. So <laughs> I, I just thought it would be interesting to see somebody at a different level. Uh, if you don't know anything about St. John Bosco, they're the defending national champions. Obviously, for my money, they're the best high school program right now in the United States. Um, they're not in the rankings because they're not playing right now. So if you go to look for them in the 2020 year uh, and you don't see them, don't tweet at me fake news. They're not playing, so they're not in those polls. The polls look a lot different. I'm looking at some of the polls. I'm like, who the hell is this? I'm like, why is it this team? Why? Oh, they're not playing. So, yeah. Um, you guys are slated to start in December, right? Uh, January 8th would be game one. You game one. And you guys picked up De La Salle. Yep. De La Salle would be game one. Uh, it's, uh, we played them three times. We're 3-0 against them. So, you know, almost impossible to go 4-0 against those guys. we got a lot of guys returning. It would be a great way to kick off the season. You know, we're, we're still really optimistic that we'll start in December and have, you know, we're not doing a whole, much, a whole lot right now, but really nobody is in the state. And hopefully we'll get about a month ready to get ready for De La Salle. And, you know, when we played them last year, they were about half split back beer, half, uh, you know, spread gun type stuff. So it's a good combination. Um, it'll be exciting, you know, playing those guys. I mean, it's, I grew up and that was the king of high school football, that streak right. and the whole deal. So, I, you know, our, our kids really don't feel it as much, but I mean, I get, uh, you know, real nervous little bugs when you play those guys. And it, it's, uh, you know, Coach Ladd's still over there on the sideline and, and all those guys, and it, it's amazing just to line up against those guys. It's, it's really cool. We've had the chance to do it three times, and it's all been for a state championship, and now this time it's going to be to kick off the season. Right. You know, after not playing for over a year, so it, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I don't know if AFCA is going to be happening this year, but if it is, I may be there, but I'll be glued to that game. Um, I know that they're going to have a new defensive coordinator, so – they may yeah, be doing something different. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not real sure. So uh, I definitely will have that one circled. But my question then is if you're starting off the season with them, are you pretty much under the understanding that there's no state championship? There is still a state championship that it's going to be condensed to one week. And, and honestly, we travel out of state every year. I mean, last year we played five out of state teams in the preseason. We played the Matha, Don Bosco prep, Miliani. Um, so we can't really find games in the state of California. So and then, you know, say so push the season back and then they had a game scheduled against a team in Texas. Right. Um, I don't know if it was Duncanville or exactly who it was, but they're playing now, obviously, and California's not. So, you know, De La Salle has a hard time getting games. We have a hard time getting games. The two coaches are real good friends. You know, Jason, Jason and Justin are, are good buddies. That's not how you really want to start off the season, but uh, 
you know, we always want to have 10 games and that opportunities for the kids. So um, they came together and it's a one year deal. They're going to come down to us and it's going to be a really cool way to stick, uh, start off the season. Yeah, man. If I was around, I, you know, I would be there, but uh, alas, I am not. Yeah. The Dallas out guys, um, you know, obviously everybody knows my relationship with you, my relationship with your offensive coordinator, who's my best friend. But I'm also very tight with the De La Salle guys. Yeah. Um, they, uh, Justin Allenbaugh's first class. Uh, a few right years here. ago, my buddy uh, Ray Dayton came from upstate New York. And I told him, I said, listen, this is when I was living in San Mateo. This is like 2016, I think. And I said, hey, man, we can go anywhere you want. You want to try to, I know Stanford's to get it hard to get into, but you know, we try to go to Stanford. I can get us into Cal, San Jose State. I knew a guy at the Niners. I knew that was going to be really hard, a long shot, but. He goes, I want to go to De La Salle. So I called Justin. He had us come. We watched one of their workouts. I think it was late May. So they were just starting out. And then after Justin, I said, hey, you know, I know you get a ton of guys talk, want to talk ball, but like, this is my friend's dream. If you could just bear like 10 minutes talking with us. Well, it turned in, I think we talked for two hours and Lad was just hanging out. So yeah. Lad gets in there and they start talking about how they run their counter tray play. And they were going over like the, the specifics of the footwork and everything. And it was like Bill Gates talking about computers. You know I mean? It was just, it was unbelievable sitting yeah. in there with those guys. And it just shows you the respect that you guys have. I mean, like you said, you're three and overs them all for state championships and you still get butterflies versus them. You know what yeah, I mean? Like that's, it, that's just, it, they're, and they're the greatest guy. Like I remember a couple years ago, we had a linebacker coach who was very green and I said, and I love how Justin teaches linebackers. It's one of my favorites. And I was like, and we were supposed to play them. We're not supposed to, we were going to play them. I think we were going to play them game two in, in September. So this is the end of May. I always go over there at the end of May for some reason. And so we get there and I'm really tight with our D line coach, Steve Jacoby. And so I, I, I know Steve real well. Steve's a great dude. We've got some amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And so we're kind of hanging in the back. And I hear uh, they're, they're going over run fits and stuff. And so I was trying to hang back because I appreciated them letting us come so I could show our linebackers coach like how they do stuff. But also knowing that we're going to play them in three months, four months, like, you know, we want to be respectful and not try to steal all their their secrets. And I hear this booming voice from Jacoby, Vassar, get your ass over here so you can see. I'm like, what? He goes, come on, man, you can't <laughs> see shit from back there. And he's like, gets us in like the right in the drill so we can see. And he's telling us what they're doing. I'm like, what, what program? And it's not arrogance. Like, but what program would let you come watch them, how they teach their basic stuff when you're going to play them in three and a half months? Like who yeah, does that? No so yeah. anyway, they're, they're amazing guys. anyway, I'll get on to seven bracket. And I know you didn't guys didn't come in and tune in to hear how great Justin Allen ball is, but I seriously love that dude. So anyway, yeah, so let's guy. talk about seven bracket. Kind of give me your overview. I'm sure, you know, I, I intentionally left stuff out, but kind of give me your overview and then how you teach each position in terms of their assignments and then take me through how you teach their techniques. Okay. Um, well, seven bracket for us is our, our bread and butter. Um, you know, just based off the year, we're going to run this. There's so many different components to seven, even when you call seven bracket, depending on what kind of, formation they come out and there's multiple calls you can have. So, you know, this is our home base. We teach this, this is day one. Um, you know, we're, we try to be like saving. We don't, 
or that type of system, but we don't start actually with one height. We do this as a base. Um, you know, again, with our defensive line, we usually have some pretty dang good defensive line. We can actually stop the run, kind of being a little bit outgapped and, and being in too high. Um, so we'll basically be in this as long as we can. So what we can serve bracket, obviously, the way we can double the slot and cover seven. Um, you know, the star and the state. We can start with our star. He's going to go to the receiver strength star right. So we call seven bracket. We're going to play bracket to the star. We have an automatic three-by-one check. And that honestly changes kind of year by year. Um, we can get in a little bit more depth. but um, you know, it kind of a lot of years it's stubby when we have a kind of a star there. The last, like, we had Court Williams last couple of years, he's a great athlete, but, um, you know, kind of a bigger body guy. And the guy, we have two guys kind of battling it when we actually get out there and start practicing for that this year. And they're, they're more, more strong safety Sams than they are kind of corner nickel guys. So I see us this year, we call flex seven bracket, our three by one check will be stumped. Um, cause that just kind of fits our personnel a little bit better. But so it always starts with a star, he's gonna go to the receiver stream. It starts with him, call him star right. Uh, and then obviously that side, our strong safety travels with him and we're gonna call bracket right. So we're gonna play bracket on the right with the receiver strength is that way. Uh, corner, we talk about Meg technique, uh, Cat Ben everywhere he goes. He's also the secondary force guy. So again, we're gonna play uh, mostly uh, kind of a mere motor technique there. Obviously there's no guaranteed help. Uh, so we don't wanna ever be in trail or be too aggressive and go two hand jam or you know, if we're pretty good pure step, kick step guys, we can do that. But primarily we're playing near motor there. Uh, the star, uh, we, we've done this different ways with different guys. Um, we can kind of play this where it's almost like a catch man, or we can play it where he's a little bit loose. Uh, five to seven yards. We want to disguise if we're always lining it up outside in bracket. Uh, they can just, you know, uh, our offense order loves to do that. Just take that free seven yard shot and, and pass him. Like, you know, we don't get a whole lot in the season, but. Um, so he's outside man of two. Uh, we have his eyes on two. Um, he's not looking back in on the mesh. Uh, he's out of the run fit no matter what. Um, he's got to be prepared for a 3-2 push. So if that running back's close, obviously we can give a push call. Uh, and then we'll go take the back, kind of stay in that cruel window and leverage that. Uh, our safety, we're about 10 to 12. I like him deeper to begin with, about 12. Um, and then kind of move down to 10 or 9 once they're a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. Uh, we're going to be inside of two. We start really heavy on the inside too as we teach this. Um, because again, we're bracking this guy. It is an inside outside bracket, not a you know, high low bracket, more inside outside bracket. And they start, you know, just a one or two yards inside and they end up getting beat inside quite a bit. And that's, that's kind of a hard technique to learn. So we actually start them with more outside and then end up closer by the time they're good at it. Uh, we start our eyes in the backfield uh, for run pass read. Uh, we're going to basically swing the fits. Obviously, the backs to us. Uh, we're going to be thinking more pass. If it backs away from us, we're going to be thinking more run. Uh, we will fit. I know you and I have talked about this before. Some of the guys, we will fit that deep bracket safety on the run. Um, and that's where his eyes in the backfield of the mesh. Um, anything basically vertical, we're going to take the inside half, uh, knowing that the star is outside. And then obviously, if he's in or out, we will look to the number one receiver and we'll bracket the outside guy. You know, the corner is still going to play inside. There's no guaranteed help. Um, but we'll kind of steal that player back over there. Uh, our Mac or our inside backer, he's going to relate to three. He's always a run player first. What we teach is clear and cloudy. So depending on where the back is lined up, obviously, you know, A or B gap, some of them is open. He's got that gap. Uh, if that gap closes down, we're going to go play one gap wider. Um, if that back is really wide, we make a push call if he goes fast. And then for us, that cover just turns into basically, even though we were more of a step team, if that guy goes fast, we just tell him, hey, it's, it turns into stubby. 
and get your eyes on the new three. So that, that's the bracket side. That's when there's two to taps. Um, if we get trips over there, again, by default, going into this year, we're going to be more of a stump team. Our star is more of a, I consider more of a Sam backer than a nickel. Um, and then on the weak side, again, it's, it's I, I know uh, Dante uses that term, and I've never used it before, but called flank dependent. Um, so we're going to play different things over there if it's a tight end or receiver, uh, if it's two receivers. So and if you say the saving system, they play a lot of cut uh, to a C area player, that tight end uh, attached weak with the Z receiver over there. We actually played very little cut, and if we do, it's more the, the, the true five world and, and more of our nickel stuff. If we're playing like 75 or those type of things. Um, we don't see a whole lot tight end attached. We live in a, a 10 and 20, uh, four open, you know, three open type world. Um, with us lining up our three technique with tight end, we actually would play weak side bracket over there, uh, which we call cap. Uh, it's kind of CC in the Alabama system. Um, we've gotten away with that. Uh, if that tight end, you know, if that tight end is attached and there's that C receivers out there wide, he's probably, he's probably a good receiver. We've actually played cone. Cone's usually a one receiver type deal, but our back will play man on the tight end, especially when that guy's not catching very many balls. And then we will cone the outside receiver. And then if we get run, he's obviously run force guys. So, you know, it's flank dependent. Uh, you know, we play all the things on the backside. If it's, if it's two backs and one receiver, you know, cones are our base. If that split starts getting tight, we'll go Connie. Um, dog on pass downs. We'll play tough, which is inverted cover three. We need a fast run support guy there now. Again, it's really dependent on what they're lining up in um, and what we're seeing. So, again, our free safety, he's got to be really smart. He's, he's, you know, when we call seven bracket, we're playing bracket to the star and two by two or two, or two bats. We're playing stump and three by one. And that free safety, he's got, you know, a bunch of different calls that he can make. We can play, we play a little bit of two read in the boundary, clamp. Um, if there's only a tight end over there, I know the saving system, they call it cop. We actually call it sheriff. We switch our safety in our corner because our, our free safety is usually a bigger guy. And our corner is traditionally one of those skinny little guys that wants to go play man the whole night. So he's not really going to be a good force to player over there on the run on a, on a dead side or an upside tight end. So, um, you know, that free safety is going to be really smart and be able to call and put us in the right situations. Um, you know, as a base, we didn't talk about as a base, we played mod over there. Uh, we'll play switch on some pass downs. Um, we'd obviously playing a bunch of, you know, kind of being a four one box. Uh, we pull Jimmy and Pony the front, or we will actually just line up in a four eye. Um, we did that quite a bit a couple of years ago, which is really good for us. And then it was just great for if we did get passed from that four eye that tackled so worried about getting beat inside. Uh, we got some great pressure there from the four eye. We play four eyes anyways in the, in the three down stuff. Uh, so that technique's nothing special for, for you know, not a whole new idea that we need to teach for those guys. So right. that's a quick overview of seven bracket. Um, is there any specific questions there, Chris, at all? Or Yeah, I have a couple. So a lot of people know, I mean, press technique outside. There's a million ways to do that. I think I would say a lot of people are familiar with the deep safety robber technique and how the mic plays a back. But can you go a little bit more through the footwork of how you teach your, your star or your nickel, your overhang, whatever you want to call them? And okay. also, well, go ahead and answer that first, and then I have a follow-up. Okay, so that's that star. One of the things I love about this system, and, and, and football in general, I, I am not a by-the-book, it has to be this way, or you're not doing it right type thing. 
you know, I'm all about putting the kid in the right situation. And if we've had a bigger body guy over there, we can actually play it as a catch technique, you know, and, and we'll play that and we'll put hands on. Um, but in general, as, as we teach it and we're teaching it to everybody and we have, you know, three or four guys playing star, we'll, we'll talk with huge technique. Um, we always talk about you start outside, you stay outside. And you know, the biggest problem is you get stemmed from that guy and he tries to stack you. Um, so as we, we, you know, we spend quite a bit of time on that scooch, which is, we talk about our ex- exit angle. Um, we don't want to get out too fast. Um, even with our safeties, we, we'll split our feet so, so wide at the beginning that basically even, even the safeties playing, you know, brackets or cones or those type of things. I want your feet so wide that you can't backpedal. Because high school kids, they just want to backpedal. They, they go play the seven on seven leagues. Um, and it's like, I want your split so wide that you have to scooch. You have to shuffle. Uh, you know, whatever technique you want to use that. Because um, I don't want you back pulling out. I don't want you creating too much space right away. Um, you know, we always have to know where our help is. Like, we're outside. We're staying outside. We have help inside. Uh, you know, we kind of disguise a little bit. But so as a general technique there, we'll talk about scooch getting out. Um, we can also play catch man. You know, we did that with Court last year, who's at Ohio State now. You know, big, strong, physical kid. You know, he plays catch man on you. He's quick enough. And, and that thing was just dead. We were doubling anyways, but that thing was just dead when you get hands on you. Um, so we can be adaptable to, to that player and what they can do and, and put them in a good situation. Um, the main idea there is we, we start outside, we stay outside, um, and then obviously be able to move laterally if that's not a vertical step. Okay, that's really good um, information there. Now, let me ask you this one thing that you said was interesting was your eyes are on two in the ball snap. Correct. Correct. Okay. So do you, do you play with a fast three rule? The, the push rule. Whereas if, if three is fast, the star would then take it. You said it becomes stubby. Uh, did I hear yes. that correctly? Okay. So how does your, Correct. is your star, I'm assuming, and, and I apologize if I didn't, because sometimes when I'm trying to picture stuff in my head, I, I do have a hard time with that, which I understand is I, 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 I listen to your podcast all the time, and I got to pause stuff and get out a piece of paper. I'm not a good visualist. Like, I mean, I'm better visual than I, I feel bad because when I do this podcast, sometimes like I sit with my eyes closed, and I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm trying to picture because I'm not good at it, I think. I, I listen to every one of your podcasts, Chris, and I it, I have to use notes. I cannot visualize. You know that just that's just how my brain works. Yeah, I, I cannot visualize in my head. I I need to put it on paper. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's what he's talking about. That's awesome. Or oh, that's what he's talking about. We kind of do something similar. Right. But for me to just visualize it in my head, I have a hard time with that. I really do. And maybe I mean I don't know if you have any good clips of this, but maybe if you have like one or two clips, you wouldn't mind posting on Twitter after the podcast is released, just to like so people can see it. I know I sure. have a hard time picturing stuff, so that's why I'm overly descriptive. And I know in the past I have left stuff in or edited out when I've asked a question that was already addressed because sometimes I get so caught up as the interviewer. I get so caught up in giving you a little, you know, see how the sausage is made, but I get so caught up in visualizing what you're trying to talk about or not what you're trying to talk about. When I'm trying to visualize you're talking about that I might miss a detail or two and I've I've asked the same question and Usually the the interviewees are nice and polite, and they don't say, "I just said that asshole like three minutes ago." What are you talking well, about? Well, but <laughs> too. Sometimes the second time through, you kind of pick it up. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so I I, I would give you some tips of that. I mean, obviously, I mean to us, fast three. I mean, we're getting that a whole lot more in fast league. I mean, you'll get it. 
um, and they're trying to dump things out there or do certain things there. Um, but yeah, so basically with that, it's a communication thing for us. Uh, again, if, if they're if they're far enough apart, like they say, the ball's on the left hash and it's star right. It, it's it's basically they need to be able to switch fairly quickly in the down. Right. You know what I mean? There, there's times you know it, it's it's star right, the ball's on the left hash, and that guy is going fast three, but he, he's he's still not even crossing that the number two space. So that doesn't bother us. You know, it's when right. they're close, we'll make a, a push alert call. And then, you know, that guy's fast, we'll yell push. And, you know, communication is not great. You know, sometimes I always make the joke, hey, can you text him that you push? You know, they can probably pull their phone out faster and see, hey, push. But, uh, you know, it's communication. And that's something in general that we try to get better at every every week, every year. Um, but we, we call it pre-snap. You know, there, there's times we'll get out there and, you know, the guy will push or the guy will go late. And they try to push late. It's like, hey, this has got to be fast three now. You got to call pre-snap. Hey, you know, alert push, and then he goes now, and it, it's a push. Otherwise, you know, that Mac backer's running with, with the running back. And again, that thing's behind the line of scrimmage. Um, what you know, are they actually throwing that, or are they baiting us to basically get the the, my, the other thing that we get a little bit of, especially passing the is, you know, they'll go they'll go fast three. So that now gets your star on the running back who's behind the line of scrimmage, and it's got your Mac or your inside backer working in number two. And if that guy's a dude in the slot. You just gave them what they wanted. Plus, you have double inside you know? leverage now. Yeah, yeah, that's the other part. Yes, because your strong safety starting inside. You push exactly, and now the the mic and the strong safety are both inside, and, and you're not in a great situation. So honestly, we, when we push the most is, is passing league, and I, I hate passing league, but there's certain things we're gonna do over there. And, and the only time we're doing that is really quick, a quick you know push when those guys are tight. Um, there's also another call in the saving system. Um, it's called Bermuda. Have you seen that at all? That's when the number two is kind of tight. It's basically oh, it's like off a triangle. It's it's I'm guessing yeah. because it's called Bermuda. It's supposed to be off triangle. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, bracket when two's tight. Gotcha. So that could be something that we can do if we're getting a, if we can tell fast three's coming. Um, you know, but 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 again, if we don't just always push it automatically, I, I don't think that's right. You know, again, it's a personnel thing. You're putting your star in a back behind a line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, you double leverage. You both you guys are inside. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to stay on two and then let that dump that thing to a fast three. And your mic's trying to chase it in space. Yeah. And they're just dumping them off and running. And we see some pretty good backs. You know. Yeah, I mean, I would almost almost sail that in a way instead of attacking because I that's one of the things that's hard with kids. And I want to put a a big circle around this for you guys who are thinking about maybe putting this in. You are in man match, yes, but man match is an idea. Man match is a concept. That doesn't mean I'm on two. Oh, here comes three. Let me go run down and take number three. If I'm going to play a fast three rule, I'm either going to sail it. I mean, so I'm going to flip my ass at the sideline and sink to protect the seven ball. Or I'm going to kind of hang like we do in TC. We kind of back up a little bit because if you attack downhill now, They'll hit a, a hard, fast corner route on your ass. And, and you could have Bobby uh -huh. freaking Wagner. It doesn't matter. They can't get there. And you know how I feel about this through personal conversations that we've had during our trips when we're on the road, when we're, our many talks at night. I'm not a fan of the fast three rules. Like when I when I uh, first learned Ripley's match, back when I, and I just want to, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here because it's resurfaced on Twitter in the last day. 
Everybody's passed around that Dolphins playbook. I'm going to take very credit for this, and I may be putting myself in some crosshairs. I scanned that bitch one by one, page one by one. It took me so long. That made that made the Twitter universe. That, that yeah, playbook. it's finally. They, I mean, it's been on there, but people are posting pictures from it, like uh, people that aren't yeah. involved in like casual NFL fans are starting to get it. By the way, okay. if the password's locked, it's Dolphins 06 because the original was locked. It's Dolphins 06 with a capital D. Um, Giving out the goodie bag. I love it. Yeah, man. I mean, shit, I did that by hand. Um, <laughs> How many pages does the Rip Liz make? Like 15 or something? No, the Rip Liz section is very short, but. Um, what, what, what was the one that was really long in that thing? I don't remember, I man. It was really like 15 pages how to play Rip Liz. I, like, I don't know. Here. I don't remember. I it may have. I know the drawings are they're few and far between because there were some problems I had when I first when I first saw the coverage. I went, okay, well, what happens when you run flood to one side? And this was back in two thousand nine when I first got that playbook. You run you two by two. You get a fade, a ten yard out, and a swing, and then you get a shallow from the backside. You get four strong load, but coming from the fourth guys coming from the other side was my first question. Mm-hmm. And that's funny because I still see guys attacking that play. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not an idiot. But my my point with it was when when Rip Liz was being run at the Dolphins, they did not have a fast three rule. And and, and it's the same thing. And, and my point was I would apply that to bracket. If you are seeing a team that they are just because, and I was actually talking with the coach last night. I know I'm jumping all over the place. Follow my ADHD adult brain right now. Teams flare backs to do two things one is to distort the under coverage and two is to gain leverage you have to determine if that back is a threat or if they are trying to distort your coverage now i won't say who because i don't want to get any angry messages or tweets originally there was no fast three rule so in ripley's vertical vertical swing the star stayed on the vertical the backer took the swing because the theory is it's kind of like man free in terms yeah. of route distribution. And so if you trust your backers covering the swings and man free, you should cover them and you should feel comfortable covering them in rip Liz. So, but anyway, the same point applies for seven bracket. If they are just doing it to distort your under coverage and they want to throw, like we call it inverted money. Most people call it spot or snag with the slant sit, the corner and the swing. They're doing it to distort your under coverage. They're not doing it to throw it to the back. Yeah. They'll throw it to the back if you don't cover it, but Make them check it down. Even though you're in a man match coverage, you you almost have to play with the no cover zone with those swings, or else you're gonna get two guys inside on the corner route. And they're gonna throw it all day, and then you're gonna end up having to bail the corner. And now it's gonna be back to regular quarters, and you just you, it's a cycle. My my point is though, they at some point put in the the fast three rule for Rip Liz, and I know there's a reason I'm talking about Rip Liz, and it's because. It almost plays out the same way. The only difference is in bracket, you're going to be slower. You're not scooching out of there. Well, the way that Saban teaches, you're not scooching out of there if two's vertical. My point is, if you see teams that are doing this on purpose, take the fast three rule off if you have it on. If you see a team that has a big ass back or a guy that can't catch, don't honor it. Let the backer run with it. Play almost like box one defense, okay? Like in basketball, which I know basketball is different because it's five on five, but five on seven. Okay, you two are going to play one-on-one. The other four eligibles will be covered by our other six defenders. And there is a team that the Saban, somebody in the Saban tree 
plays an, a, another team, they take the fast three rule off because that offense has a ton of fast three beaters. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, because we were in that conversation. <laughs> the one of the coach of the team explained it to us. So, um, you know, that's where you'll see those. That's where you're going to make those adjustments. And so just be very careful because when I put in seven bracket, I was not careful with the three fast and I really distorted the coverage. You are, you are bracketing two. I mean, think about this logically. And again, football is a, is, is a simple game made complicated by coaches. You are bracketing number two for a reason, right? Whether it's to keep leverage or whatever. But the, the whole deal is if two's vertical, two guys are going to be on them. Um, why are you now going to take the one of the outside, outside piece of the bracket off when the back goes? Did that slot receiver just become less good? You know what I mean? Like, you have to defend. I mean, you're, you're taking your nickel, your better DB, and putting them on a running back behind the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and telling your Mike Backer, now you're going to go cover slot with help, but you guys are both inside leverage. Yeah. Without, without a doubt. And if you pop the free safety outside, now they're going to, you got to post one-on-one with a freaking linebacker. That's not good. Well, not one-on-one, but it's one-on-one with outside help. Well, that's not going to help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's, so that's one question now. And I always ask everybody that runs seven bracket, the same questions. Now, when does your nickel, your star, your overhang not play two, except for the fast three rule. Like we talk about how you leverage it, but, is there any other time that you don't have your overhang, your nickel, your star take two? No, I mean, the only call, again, that Bermuda call is like bracket. It's just two is tied to the box and the running back's that side. And it, it's almost like a, you know, a, a Connie deal or whatever, you know, on, on two and the running back, two and three. Right. So if we get an under route and that running back's tight, then we'll obviously under call that and pass that off. Otherwise, a normal split, we'll, we'll still take the under. Okay, because the question I've always had, and I I like asking this because it gets a little flavor on it is, obviously, if you get a 2-3 exchange, which CW Post calls Tito, which I just think is funny. That's just a great name. Tito, two in, three out. Um, I always think of Tito Jackson, but obviously, if three swings and two runs a shallow, you're going to exchange those routes. Well, I say obviously, because I'm obvi- I'm asking the question, so it's... Uh, it's if, if, if they're close up together, like, just say the ball's in the left hash, and that two's really wide on the right, we'll still take the under. It, it's got to be a condensed, or somewhat condensed split by number two with the back at the same side. So the nickel, you'd still put the nickel in the shallow in the back or on the swing? If they're not in reasonable distance to each other, yes. Regular, regular splits... Two's on like air raid. You're playing air raid. Two is on. He's a couple yards inside the hash. Ball's on the hash. Couple yards inside, but no, no way a tight split. You'd stay as on a, as a base. That's how we do it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. We'll so, so I was about yeah. to say. Well, obviously you would do this. What's it's it's obviously not obvious because. Well, you, because, I mean, what happens if the running back does start on your side and RPOs or something back that way? You're basically passing that off, that under off. Now, there's a whole lot of room right there. Right. If your if your mics are late to the back, right. You know, as, as a base, we're gonna if it's a wide enough split, we'll take we'll stay two on the under. If they're close enough, obviously we'll exchange that. And then you know you have rules so you can break them. That would be our base playbook camp rule. And then if they're doing something over there, obviously we can hey pass all unders pass off to the mic. 
Okay. Well, then that answers my next question, which is if you would have said we pass it off, my next question would have been if two block or three blocks, the back blocks and two runs, how would you play that? Uh, that answer, that would answer my question. The nickel would stay on it. Um, and then and you're. Stays on unless it's close. And if they're that close, that bracket call just turns into Bermuda, which gotcha. is basically, you know, Connie, but between two and the running back. Right. Okay. All right. Well, then that makes sense. I'm excited to introduce Coach Vast Defense, a comprehensive out-of-the-box defensive system with everything you need to coordinate a top-tier defense coming in early 2025. The system is a one-stop shop and comes with a complete, robust defensive scheme with tools to get into any structure, including even, odd, mint-tight, bare, stack, three-high, and more. It comes with an NFL-level playbook with run fits and route matches narrated install videos with a schedule for implementation and a library of answers for every offense you will see, including the spread 11 personnel offense du jour, the air raid, the Bryles offense, option schemes including the flex bone, the wing tee, three back, and much more. It also comes with a drill and game film library, live in-season game planning sessions, templates to help you organize practice, opponent breakdown, and tools to make you a better play caller. Whether you're new to coordinating or a grizzled vet looking for new ideas, this system will have something for everyone. If you want to see all the details of the system, visit coachfastdefense.com and make sure to sign up for the mailing list to get updates and invitations to webinars to have your say in the system's creation so all of your coaching needs are met. Again, go to coachfastdefense.com, check out the details, and sign up for the mailing list. This past season, coaches across the country used CoachPad to be more efficient with their scout cards for prep on the weekends and on the practice field with their scout team. Whether you're using a computer program to create your scout cards or drawing them by hand, the CoachPad is for you. Some of the features coaches enjoyed the most this past season was never printing paper or stuffing a binder, the scout team being able to see their cards clearly, even in the bright sun, and using the CoachPad on game day to sync diagrams from the press box to the sideline. This offseason, get yours at thecoachpad.com and get your program ready for next season. Again, that is thecoachpad.com. Let's talk quickly about switch, um, okay. which is how it was described to me is seven switch is seven bracket, but the leverage is switch. The star overhang money will be inside leverage of two. The deep safety will be outside leverage of two. The corner will still be magged. The backer will st- still be on the back. Is that an accurate characterization? Absolutely. Okay. Now, my next question, so other, so the rules are the same. Now, I have talked to some people that if one runs an inside release, not necessarily a drive or a drag, but an inside release, say they're going to run a, a dig, like, like a crease route, so a dig with a yeah. seam. Does your nickel overhang star come off on two and play and they call it drop the crease, the Bama guys. Yes. So we, we teach both. Um, We're going to try to drop the crease. That is not always easy to do. Um, You know, who's one, who's two. We definitely teach it. Uh, That's not something that we're going to do every time we get a crease drop by one that did 10 yard in, whatever it is, and two is vertical. Um, We're not always going to drop the crease. Uh, It's something we're going to teach and kind of figure out who that guy is, can see it. Can we take this? Um, but it's something that we try to teach early on when we teach switch. You know, right. we, we, there's, when, when we do this, like we're a big, especially in the, in the seven world, this is our base. This is our bread and butter. We are a huge, huge half line team. Same. So, you know, we'll, we'll laminate the cards. We'll go two bird, you know, two out, one on the dig, smash, 
post dig, and that crease route, you know, the two vertical one on that crease is something that we'll definitely rep and we'll teach it, you know, hey, you can drop the crease. And there's some years where we'll do it and there's some years where we won't be honest with you. Right. And and coaches, I'm pulling out the soapbox. I'll it'll still be quick. Pulling out the so I need like a sound effect. Don't <laughs> let these offensive coaches talk you out of running half line pass. If they're not willing to do it, then self scout it because I know we I used to go over this with Lowe when we were at Sarah. Half line pass did not benefit them unless it was like a screen period, which I, teams are running less perimeter like hitch and tunnel screens than they used to because of all the RPO stuff. I know some teams that have eliminated them altogether. But if you're a full field team, if you're an air raid team, if you're playing air raid offense on the offensive side of the ball, half line pass doesn't do you much good. I understand that. So then if that's the case, don't be afraid to use one of your scout periods early on in camp to get really good looks because a lot of the times it's not the route that beat you. It's the guy that beat you. However, if you don't know how to match the routes, they're both going to beat you. So half line pass. If you're a split safety team, if you're a one high team, not so much, but if you're a split safety team, you need to be doing half line pass for my money. If you put in like a wide run every once in a while, it's the best drill in football yep. for my money. And especially in the socially distanced COVID world or just in the world where we're not allowed to hit as much as we're used to. It's a great drill. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we don't think tweaked practice. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love our practice plan set up, but the offense is going to go over on their side of the field and do inside run. And we're going to service them with some young guys and then their receivers are going to come over and it's a defensive period. We actually give them the card. So it, it's our period. So we're going to say, run these two by two routes, these two by two routes these three by one, maybe some backside stuff. Um, so it's our period. And then we, we switch to go to inside run. We're completely two platoons. Mm-hmm. And the offense comes over and they're going to do one-on-ones, which is my least favorite drill. If you're going to do a man one-on-ones, at least make it two-on-two. You know, a quarter, a quarterback and receiver, just you start getting all the BS routes. Like at least give two receivers. We'll only have two DBs over there. You know, we're not playing three-on-two, but don't waste our time just going one-on-one man. Make it two-on-two. Cover a slot you know, picks, rubs, do all those things you want to do that you would do in man, you know, because if we're in man, you're not going to have three and a half seconds. Left, you know, right. that's, you know, so that, that's a yeah. big pet peeve. And Lowe's done a good job at that. That we, We'll do half line. It's our period. And then we'll do one-on-ones. And sometimes we'll make it into a key, you know, key screen drill or, or, you know, quick screens and that type of stuff. But if we go man, for the most part, we're at least two on two or three on threes. You know, I'm picking some rubs. See that kind of work. It's just, I hate looking over there and one guy's going and it's it. Yeah, I know. I everybody tells me that, but I I, I couldn't give up my one on one drills, not yet. I was because okay. what ends up happening is because I coach the corners, I end up I know this is not gonna make much sense at first until I explain it. Because I'm with the corners throughout most of individual, when we get the team, I start looking at other positions and I neglect them. Going one on ones forces me to watch them. So I know that's not, and I'm very particular. I'm a, I'm a corner guy by trade, and it, I'm real particular with that stuff. So I yeah. get it. I know it makes sense. If I was advising a program, I would probably 100% agree with you. But personally, for me, if I coach, even if I coach linebackers, I just I wouldn't be able to let that go. I would figure out some way to get a one-on-one element because I think that's the only drill you really can't self-service. I mean, if you're working fades and stuff. It's the guy you're going against. But anyway, I, I take your point and I agree. Now, let me ask you this. Let's go back to our inverted money slash snag. Or that's not snag. I can't re- keep all the offensive terminology straight. We talked about this during the pre-interview. 
I'm terrible. At Snag that. seven flat, slant sit with the corner and a swing and switch. Do you have the corner come off on the slant and help on the corner route with your star coming off and playing the slant? As a base, that guy's playing Meg and he's staying in Meg. Gotcha. Okay. Press, mirror motor, whatever we're doing. Um, the only thing, if one and two are close, especially when two is on the ball and one's off, there's some teams we have faced that run, you know, some kind of switch routes conversation there. Mm-hmm. That's where we'll come off. Otherwise, he's just playing Meg on, Meg on one. Well, and that's what I would go in my world. We got some of that. We would check what we call five wall, which is similar to. Yeah. It's like. It's different, but Buster cut it. Basically, it's man match cover too. We would play our corner outside and not, and and we would pass off anything coming back inside. But that's where that and, and coverage honestly, is good. That, we've done some of that stuff as well. Just again, playbook wise, if we're in switch, we're calling switch. Right. Um, that would be the only time we would do that. Again, right. If two's on the ball off, we run a bunch of under stuff, drive type stuff. You know, that's not our first call. Right. Okay. So let's talk about. I know you mentioned Stubby briefly. Again, corners on one. Free safety's playing robber. Your uh, your overhang's playing post technique, so you're gonna wall. I'm um, ten uh, number three up to ten to twelve yards. Post him up. Mm-hmm. How much does your technique, if at all, change for the star nickel overhang? Uh, the only thing that changes here is if we're in bracket, we're basically looking at two. Uh, if we're in stubby, we're going to tilt a little bit more. We're probably going to loosen up a little bit, and we're, we need to be able to see three. We're, 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 you know, in bracket world, if that's the fast three, and we are pushing it, um, which again, you've given great examples why why we don't, why you don't, you know. But in this situation, obviously, if three is out, we need to take that. So we're a little more tilted, and we're a little bit more loose um, because we don't have that guaranteed bracket help that we would in bracket right. with the inside plane on safety. Yep. If three's vertical or across the field and we're not seahawking it or poaching it, um, he's got to be able to cover that. So a little more tilted and a little looser and, and stubby. Got it. Now, I don't want to derail this into a cover seven podcast where we go into every little detail. But one thing you did say was interesting early on, and I may have been playing stump wrong. So stump, for those of you who do not know, stubby is basically seven bracketed trip. Stump, in theory, is... The nickel star overhang will come off on any China or smash routes from one in the corner will help on the corner route of two or three. It's for teams that are, are occupying one and two and sending three on a corner route to buy space. You said something earlier that your, your nickel, your star, your overhang, and I'm referring them all together because people call them all different yeah. things. Like Iowa state calls their stars, their middle safety. So I always try to be generic but also use some common terminology. You said something interesting, which is your guy is more of a Sam linebacker in my world, like a TCU strong safety. So you play more stuff. This year with the personnel that we have, okay, we're going to play more than 11 guys. Um, but if we're saying who's our best star this year, he's he, he's not a Sam backer, but he's closer to a Sam than he is a third core. You know, but How? He, he's an athletic Sam. How does defending four verts or three verts from the trip side differ in stump to stubby so basically what we teach him he's the first of the flat that could be one two or three by his leverage he's gonna have to he's gonna be able to see two and three right he's gonna have to listen for one and the corner's got to be able to call those unders or smash routes for that if we get all three verticals he's gonna sink 
Um, our corner playing the offense side one third is going to kind of overlap. His eyes are going to kind of be C on two. So if he gets one and two vertical, he's almost going to kind of depth and divider that thing. Um, so it's kind of a bastardized three, but we're still playing right. Cohen on the backside. Now, is that and, how and Alabama plays you know, it to your understanding? Uh, that's more of, of Jeremy's way. So, or Pruitt's way. And, and also Clemson's way, because Clemson, I mean, that guy's a stand backer. They're not playing stuff. Right. You know, what they call Buffalo when uh, there's lock, there's different calls. That and it's really stuck, you know. Right. So I think that's something that's kind of been tweaked. Uh, you know, you and I've been studying this stuff for a while. You'll see an old diagram where Seahawk was one thing and now it's another. Yeah. Where, you know, stack rules and, and it just it changes and it adapts. So yeah. Um, you know, again, it, it, is this exactly how Jeremy teaches it or Kirby or stuff like that? But I don't know because I, especially those guys all being separated now. You know, as you know, we've been back to Georgia multiple times together. Kirby has changed something. Right. Yeah. And he still might call it the thing. And, you know, so again, even though we call it stuff, it's, it's in that family, but we might have tweaked this or that. And, you know, I don't study football the way you do, but there's, it might have even been something, hey, we call it stuff, but Clemson did it this way. I liked it. We changed it that way. And sometimes I even forget how we learned it or who taught us that. You know what right. I mean? But it's still put into this coverage and we're going to do that. But, um, so again, the hard route would be obviously all three guys vertical. But you're talking about that you're running four verts. We don't get a ton of four verts. Um, we can play poach. We can do different things. Um, usually in our world, one, two, or three, someone's going to the flat, and that's going to be our spot. You know, four verticals. That's actually a beater, but that's something we have to work. Right. And he's going to be underneath the trail. Well, so to my understanding, and this is where I may have screwed up because I saw the first to flat, but. To my understanding, and I could be wrong, is all stump was when st- versus stubby and four verts or three verts to that side is that the corner was bailed. The star was still carrying two vertical. The corner was still on one. The star was still on two. The strong safety was still on three. It was just from a bail position, and then the star could come off. Now, I saw, I don't know if it was Cody Alexander wrote about it or something, or somebody wrote something, and they just played it or talked about it how you described it where the corner was playing depth and divider. And I remember being like, well, that's not, and it was called stump. I'm like, that's not stump. But now I'm starting to see, I, you're not the first person that said this. You, so. you, you know what? I, I, did. I, I, you know, again, I don't study football the way you do. I want to say there's something about it. And there, Jeremy Pruitt has a three by one tape that he did. It's out there, uh, you know, in, in YouTube universal, wherever like that. Okay. I think something in there where he explains it a little bit. Um, you know, again, I'm not inside off one third. If two's not vertical, then that corner ends up playing man on one. You know, I know you got the, the three on that right uh, corner route, but we get that more down by the goal line. You know, offense call, offense call that viper. That, that's not something you get in the middle of the field, and, and that's kind of a, a red seven deal that we do down there. That's he's kind of peeking for that first. Um, again, I'm not going to say this exactly how Jeremy does it or this guy or that guy. It's just something that. We've tweaked it. And again, if you go back through there and you talk about that Dolphin playbook from, was that 06, I think it was, or whatever it is. I mean, even yeah. the saving system has changed since then, obviously, being in the NFL, being in the college. Mm-hmm. And I think just the way this coverage has evolved through spread, through RPO. Again, I'm no you know, expert on any of this stuff. That's just under my understanding what's kind of tweaked about this coverage, how offenses are trying to attack it. Yeah. Because when we originally looked, yes, I stop and stubby. It was literally 
corners off inside one third where he's pressing. Oh shit! Back. I might have been. I might have missed something, and I missed the meeting on that because I was like, because my whole thing was, well, well, if you're gonna overlap one and two, why not have the the deep safety, the strong safety, overlap two and three, and turn it into like skate to one side and cone to the other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is why, and, and to be honest with you, that's why we never, because in TCU they call that roll, which is why we never played roll, because I was always afraid we didn't have the corners to, that could pull that off, and we didn't do that technique enough. That te- that bail technique where we were depth and divider, we literally never did that. We only played robber, and we played three deep, and quarters where we ran to the post. We never depth and divided. So we never played that coverage because we didn't want to do that, and so... Maybe, maybe that's been a tweak. I just, I'm going to have to go back and watch that video now because now you got me intrigued because I just thought, and I'm not trying to throw shade at Cody or I, it might have been Cody or Cam. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't be saying names, but um, I remember seeing that and be like, that's not stump. And then somebody else described it as that. And then you described it as that. And I'm like, shit, maybe I'm the dumbass. I think it's literally an avid, you know, adaptation of, of, of something that was issues. Mm-hmm. that's been fixed again i'm not saying this is how nick does it i'm not saying this is how jeremy right. does it it's just it's what we've tweaked we've even laid that guy up inside a few times you know oh. depending on the route concept we get you know that's almost a whole new coverage but right. it, you know again i am not a there's this you have to do it this way it's yeah i know you've used a word for that before i, I forgot what it's what you said it was um but we're we're all about you know adapting we're all about hey here's the rule they're doing this because they know our rules. We're going to break the rule. We're going to do this. Right. You know, I, I've never been one. It's like, it's got to be this. You know, like you, you talk about the Rip Liz, the fast three. It's like, yeah, we, we do it. We don't do it. We still call it Rip Liz. It's a game plan thing. That's why I have a hard time when, you know, you're watching the all 22 film. It's like, okay, that's, that looks like stuff, but did that one guy do it wrong? Or is that a game plan check that he's going to do it this way that week? You know? I'm never good with, with guessing that. I get I get to sit that on DM sometimes. Hey, what do you think this is? I have no idea. <laughs> oh yeah, let me let me address that because I get that all the time. Here's the deal. I didn't realize how many times that people screw up at the college and professional level until I sat in on meetings at Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee in these like high-level programs and saw like i watched film of george and they'll write the comments in the in the columns like so they can find it like oh this is a really good ripples example this is a really bad ripples example those guys screw up so many times and i get it you guys are especially you know i get nfl writers all the time hit me up what's this what's that i don't envy your job because i have stopped unless i can get tagged i don't like watching film because so many guys screw up that you're trying to figure something out and you, you know everything's in patterns, and so you're like, okay, this guy's doing this, and this guy's doing that. Well, this guy's not doing anything, and you think, oh, maybe it's a new coverage. No, it's probably the same coverage. The guy just screwed up, and so it, you know, I have film from. Um, we'll leave out the names. Where I have their film, I have their tags, I have their playbook, and I have one of their GAs or student assistants, or quality control guys, or sometimes even positioning. Uh, assistant sometimes assistant defensive coordinator on speed dial and i still can't figure out what the hell is going on so and especially at the nfl level because i don't watch i mean i just don't watch a lot of nfl it's just something that i i made a uh conscious effort this year that now that i wasn't coaching and sunday was always my busiest day to watch the nfl 
I'm no, please don't turn off, but I'm, I, I watch premier league soccer. I'd rather watch premier league soccer. Just <laughs> even though it doesn't even, it, it doesn't, the times don't conflict. They're usually over, but like, I'd rather watch the EPL and get away from football for a little bit. And then, cause I'm doing breakdowns for my alma mater and I'm doing stuff. Random people have hit me up. I've had some top programs in the last two days hit me up. Like, Hey, do you have time right. to watch this? And you know, stuff like that. And so I'm, or I want to, you know, live a normal life or something. And and hang out with my girlfriend and enjoy the time I'm actually supposed to be taking on. Well, I don't even watch the NFL. So I apologize. Guys hit me up all the time. I'm like, I don't know. They're like, you can just tell like, I thought you were supposed to be the coverage guy. I'm like, well, I know how to teach it, but guessing what other people are doing, yeah. especially at the I, NFL level where some of that stuff is so it's so specific to, to coverages or it's so specific to certain players and like tweaking either their technique or the guy they're going against or doubling. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm really bad with it. I I try to do it, and like you said, there's so many screw-ups, so many mess-ups. I, I, I'm spoiled. Without the tags, I have a hard time watching it. Yeah. We're guessing. Okay, so let's go to let's go to uh, your Big 12 pressure, your your seven-bracket pressure. Talk to me about your favorite one. So we're incorporating, just to let you guys know, you're incorporating coaches, incorporating a seven-bracket concept that we just talked about to the front side or to the field side. I believe the one you're going to talk about He's bringing pressure from the boundary. Um, I've done it where I brought a corner. I brought a backer. I brought a deep safety. I don't like bringing deep safeties anymore because it distorts the coverage structure and it gives away. And you're basically one-on-one uh, on the X. So I tend to either bring the corner uh, or the backer because it disguises better. And then some sort of slant to the field or a twist or something like that. Um, it goes really well with the coverage we've talked about. There is no changes to the front side. Um, but, uh, talk to me about your favorite pressure that you like, or one that you just really enjoy running or one of your top ones or whatever. Okay. So coverage wise, you know, we can do this in three down, four down. Um, I, one of the things I kind of added to this this year that I really liked that I want to be able to get to play with, hopefully I will have a season. We'll have a December to do some stuff. Um, is actually doing it from the 5-0, the 5-up tech stuff. Um, so what, what we call the coverage, we call it Elway. Now, I'm not a, not a Bronco fan or anything like that, but we do the install. We got a little picture of John Elway. Um, he's number seven. You know, we talk about all the things he's done. He's done. And so we're going to play seven to the field, and we're going to play a man away. So, again, to the field, if there's two receivers out there, we're going to play bracket. Now, we can play switch. Um, we can play even the two read, what we call clap. There's some different things we can do over there. Yeah. And I was going to jump in real quick. I, we did the same thing. So we would, we, you know, with our sentence structure, we can call it, we have, our, have long names, but in theory, we're running Elway. We've done it with bracket. We've done it with mod. We've done it with palms. We've done it with five wall. We did it. I think we did like a bastardized cut two man thing that we did for this one team. Like you can do, as long as you're split field, you run a quarters, halves, whatever concept to the field, man to the boundary. So I second what Coach is saying. Yeah. So that, so we call it Elway because we just yeah just, it's this one it's it's cover seven out there. But again, any any three on two or three on four that you want to do or any kind of box coverage or style of coverage you want to do over there. Um, again, we've done this out of three man front, four man front. You know, three man it ends up being a five man pressure. So I actually like a little bit more of the three man front the mid stuff. Um, we, we use different terminology in this because we've actually ran this for a while. Um, you know, they, you know, there's Longhorn, there's all the different Big 12. So um, the, the first one we're going to talk about is out of the four down. Uh, so we're going to basically bring a edge blitzer, and it can be the corner, it can be the backer. We've never brought the safety. I, I know you just talked about that. You don't like doing that. It's, 
that that that's not been something we've been able to do. I just kind of kind of doesn't really fit us or who that guy is. And he has such a low chance to blitz. That's not really a, a technique he's very good at. But so we're going to basically slap, like like coach said, you know, slap the front or do a twist game away. Um, it's a real cheap, easy pressure to me. Again, it's to the field, you're playing quarters. Uh, to the boundary, you're playing man. This is usually a blitz that's on or near the hash. Um, if you know if we're in the middle of the field or, you know, what we call on or near the hash is basically between the goalposts and the hash. Um, if it's between the goalposts, we're not going to call this. We're going to do some kind of different pressure package there. Um, but it's, it's, been, it's really cheap for us. You know, all the coverage guys on the field side, they're just playing cover seven. It's L way to them means cover seven. On the back side, you know, if there's a running back and a receiver, one guy's got the running back, one guy's got the receiver, the, the other guy's blitzing. For us, it's usually a corner or a backer. Uh, and we can, we can blitz into the A gap. It's very little the A gap, but mostly the B gap or off the edge. Uh, run some kind of twist or slant up front. Um, and it's, it's every year I go back and look at our stats in this, and I'm like, man, I should call this a lot more. You know, we're just playing quarters of the field. Yeah, that was our seven. number one concept last year and maybe even 18 um, was this. I don't call it enough. I don't, every yeah. year, I'm like, man, why don't we call more Elway? Like statistically, they're great. They're easy to install. Quarters of the field into the boundary. You're playing man. There's less room over there to get different kind of route concepts. Yeah. Supply man pressure. You can bring the corner. I mean, there's just so it's been really good for us. So that's that's you know our our day one install is seven bracket, and then we'll basically play seven bracket and blitz instead of going two over three in the boundary. We're going right. two over two, and that extra guys get off the edge, B gap. We're slanting the line. We're twisting. Um, so that, that's been really, really good. Yeah. So I have a couple of coaching points on this. I want to throw in there. First of all, my favorite one is to put the three technique in the boundary out of an uh, even front and slant to the field. Most of the time mm-hmm. and most of our blitzes and our Waco stuff at the corner, if there are two receiver threats, whether it's two speed or one or, uh, you know, a pro side, a receiver and a tight end, we will usually switch the blitz to the backer who will come off the edge. Now, here's one thing I like. If you have an athletic linebacker that can cover the tight end man-to-man or either that your backer's athletic or the tight end's not great vertical threat, you can leave the corner pressure on versus a tight end and a Z. And the good thing about the slant, because normally I wouldn't put a backer like, hey, dude, you you know, you have an interior gap and a tight end. That's not a winning business model. But what we started doing was is we started pinching our ends and pinching our line from the boundary side, and we gave the backer the C gap. So his run gap was also his pass responsibility. So he's got to be careful more of the vertical responsibility, uh, vertical responsibility, but he'll still be late to the run anyway because he's a C-gap player, so the ball's got to come out to him. It's also really good versus mint versus two-by-two two for the same reason. You can bring the jack off the edge on a spill path. You can bring the corner. I think they call it cobalt or something like that. Your yeah. backer is now a C-gap defender. I mean, if you're spilling, you should be fine. I mean, you should have the C and the D, but... He'll be extra in the C gap there. His tight end is the C gap. He's got the tight end. So it's everything, you know, his run fit and his pass fit are in the same place. There's no conflict. It's not like you're asking him to play. Hey, I need you to play the A gap. And also, oh, by the way, I need you to take the tight end. That's stupid. Don't do that shit. The other thing that's very, very, very important to know. And when you talk to your Mike linebacker, whomever your middle guy is, I don't know if you flip your backers, whatever. You are playing seven bracket to the field, but once he crosses the ball into the boundary, it is now man to man. That is a huge coaching point. 
So if the back yeah. flares to the field, you play whatever rule. If you're playing bracket with a fast three, without a fast three, you're playing five wall, you're playing whatever coverage you want, whatever. But if he is into the boundary, it is man. And we just, we don't even, I, I, I think we took the peels off into the boundary because we'd have that backer, you know, on that guy anyway. And so, I mean, you can always replace green dog it or whatever, where he wraps off the edge and brings the edge blitz and the edge blitzer takes the back, whatever. But you just got to know that if that guy blocks and then goes or something, you, you have him man man the boundary. So it's like a fence over here at zone or man match or whatever. And the boundary straight man to man. So that's very important. But I love that pressure. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we, we, we say it's zero blitz over there. I mean, they, they're right. considering it like we're going zero. Yeah. So that, that's that part of the L way. It, it, it's, I've actually seen it tagged as 70. Seven yep. to field zero a week. Yeah. So Bama started doing point. that in 2018, I think. All right, coach. Well, we're going to get into the Q&A portion of this show after this message from our sponsor. We're with Chris King from John Bosco High School, and we will take your questions after this. All right. It's time for the Q&A portion of the in-season podcast, which might actually carry over into the winter and spring, depending on who's playing. Uh, this first question comes from Scott Jet- oh, Jed- Jedzutski. I apologize on that. Coach is at Campbell High School in Smyrna, Georgia. His Twitter handle is at Coach Jadzutski. It's Coach J-A-Z-D-Z-E-W-S-K-I. His question is, our defense is currently attacking heavy RPO teams who base out of 10, 11, and 20 personnel. So I'll take that one first, then it'll go to you. So I'm going to speak in kind of generalities because everybody, yeah, there's a bunch of different defenses bunch of different defenses play them different ways. So instead of going through every defense, I mean, this could be a literally four podcasts in and of itself, but instead of going through how each defense is playing it, I'm going to talk about some of the things, overarching themes that teams are doing. The first thing that people are doing is they're going to more one high coverages. And the reason is, is divisional labor. Now, when I, I coached in quarters for a long time, the beautiful thing about quarters was technically you were always right. And I know there's a Twitter contingent that likes to make fun of quarters and that's not cool to do now. But the great thing about quarters was if it was a run, you got to play the run. If it was a pass, you played the pass, which I know is like, yeah, no shit. That isn't that defense. But one high defenses were more susceptible to play action. And I still think they are because of their drops. The depth of their drops are dependent so if they bite on the run, you can get in between the second and third level of the defense. I mean, that's why you see the Yankee concept. That's why you see Y cross torching one high defenses all over football off of play action. That's why anytime I'm going to get some, some shit here, but I'm not an NFL expert. But every time I see the McVay Shanahan offense defended well, my first question is, did they play quarters? And the answer is usually yes. I know that they have quarters beaters. I'm not saying quarters is perfect. But it was good because it's it was not only the depth of the drops, it's who you keyed. Like in high school, our quarter safeties never keyed linemen. We maybe stepped slow on the run, but we were always secure in what we were getting because we were able to see the receivers. Because those receivers, they give it away. And we can never get accurate linemen reads in, in scout team. Yeah, when we 
or not in scout team, but in self-service peers. Yeah, we would get the scout team if we had the ones in, but we were in a play, we were a vertical setting passing team. Like we weren't getting hard down, but you know what I mean? Like it was hard to get those looks, especially like the 21 personnel teams we saw. You know, and then some teams it files into they're so bad it's good where it looks like they're popping up for a pass and it's a run. I mean, we I talked about this play last yeah. week. We gave up a play on a read twist where we ran like a, an ET stunt where the nose went second if it was pass and we were playing Tulare Union and the guard was so high in his in his run block. Our nose thought it was a pass and looped outside and they ran an A-gap track zone for 92 yards for a touchdown untouched. So I'm nervous about that. And what happened was the RPO guys with the bubble and some of the, the downfield RPOs, they use quarters rules against them or against you. Like Ron Roberts talked about this, you know, the OCs coming out now, they grew up beating quarters where the OCs that were coming out 15 years ago were used to beating one high and cover three. And so they have all the answers to beat that stuff built in. So what's happened is teams have had to split their division of labor. So whether it's playing man to man where you say, all right, you guys cover the receivers and you guys watch the back or teams like myself that went from a true quarters TCU outside leverage where the strong safety was 50, 50 run pass. And the free safety was 50, 50 run pass. We moved the down safety, the nickel star overhang inside and said, you're 75% run. And then we took the free safety, the deep safety and moved him wider and said, you're 75% pass. So, they couldn't get you because I mean, what do you tell a guy that sees the line run blocking and the receivers running around? Then you're going to say, stare at the ball and then you're not going to play anything, you know? So that's the number one thing that people are doing. The other thing is coach mentioned this called slinging the fits. Now I don't know where that came from and I didn't understand it for six months because I'd never bothered to ask or ask the wrong people. What coach was saying is, and, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, coach, is let's say it's two by two, okay? Defensive left is the field. You have the back to the field, so it's two by two. The overhang to the defensive left, to where the running back is, is out of the fit. He has to play the RPO first. Even if he's inside leverage, you know, apexed, he has to play the slant or the stick or whatever first. And so... Even though I said the overhang is going to play 75% run. That only applies if the back is away from you. So I should have put that caveat, but I didn't want to confuse you off the bat. So we're saying if the back is to us, we are going to be playing pass first, run second. The interior linebacker, this is split safety coverage, is going to play run first. And then the overhang away from the back will get into the fit and play the B gap. Three technique to the field. Now, if you're in a tight front, this is why the tight fronts become so popular. You don't have to use overhangs in the run fit. They're bonus. And I don't want to get into that because that'll be another half hour explanations. There's tons of tight front podcasts. And if you have any questions, hit me up directly. Now, if the back is into the boundary, the overhang to the boundary is now out of the fit. And because he's out of the fit, let's say the three techniques to the field. You either have to two gap the end of the back. Or you have to flip your front and put the three technique to the back so that the open B gap is played by the overhang to the field because the back is away from him. He is now in the fit. Now, if you're seeing teams that throw opposite RPOs, you may not be able to play it like this. If you're playing a pistol team, you're going to have to do it off the belly of the back of the quarterback. Quarterback opens to me. I'm out of the fit. Quarterback shows me his back. I'm in the fit. 
but that's those are some of the things that teams are doing. So to recap, divisional labor and basing the fits off where the back is, taking somebody out of the fit in the fit. Now, if you're in one high, and let's just say it's three technique to the field, it doesn't matter. Your backers will be in the fit. Your two back both backers will be in the fit. Both overhangs will be out of the fit, playing the pass first. And that's why teams are going more to one high against that stuff because it's, again, division of labor. But I still think you can do the same out of two high. You do have to mess with the fronts because you are short a gap. But I've said this before. Imagine you're in split safety coverage, three techniques to the field, open B-gap to the boundary. What is the difference between putting the linebacker in the B-gap and having the end play the C or ripping your end into the B-gap and letting your overhang play the outside gap? What's the difference? I don't see any. Now, the only difference will be from the O-line's perspective because how they're going to target you and run their blocks. But if you're spiking your end inside to play an interior gap and you're knocking it out to an overhang, it, to me, it's six one way, half dozen the other. You're just moving two guys, but they're, you're both still playing the same gaps. But I get yelled at when I say that, so I get away from that. So anyway, those are the those are the generic things that teams are doing to see that sort of things with RPO heavy teams. Coach, what do you think? Well, again, like I said, we're going to try to be in, in one high. I'm oh, sorry, in, in the, the quarter two high stuff first. So, you know, one of our first answers, obviously, if we can sling the fits, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed with having some pretty good defensive alignment. Uh, so we'll kind of beat Alec Gap and play that way. Uh, you know, Corona Centennial, some other teams are starting to, um, you want to flop read or, or there's different terminologies out there where they're not going to give you that, that ability. They're going to throw the same opposite of the back. Um, our next answer is basically to close the front. That's to put uh, guys in the B gap, like you're saying, four eyes. We're trying to basically jimmy the front. Um, our third answer, again, staying in quarters, would be to play men. Like you said, those, those four eyes in the B gaps, if that, there's no conflict there of I have a B gap and I'm trying to relate to the outside receiver. And then for us, our fourth answer would be to get into one high. So, you know, the same answers you just talked about, but in our process, first thing we do is to swing the fit. Second thing would be close to the front. The third thing is we get into mint. We play mint, the three down, the four, four eye, head up, four eye. Um, that's about a 20, 25% deal for us. That's not our what we're in. I think it's great in high school to play at that percentage because you're an offensive line coach in high school and, and you're seeing 75% one front, 25% the other front. How much you going to block that front? How does that change the rules? I think that's a really good mix. Once you start getting 50-50, now they're able to kind of work both. And then if none of that works, then our next answer is one high. But we use one high to basically solve certain problems. We're not trying to live in it. Um, but again, same answers you said, but at least I, I gave you kind of the of what order we're trying to put those in. Right. And it's always path the least resistance too. If you're one high team, you'd probably flip that. I mean, you'd play your defense and then, yeah. I, I mean trying to give you a, 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 of our mindset, who we are, what how we would do it. You know, there's there's Kyle, you still call him Oprah? <laughs> Did I call, call him Oprah? Oprah? <laughs> oh, because, oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everybody knows when I say Kyle, they know, yeah, again, I forget all the dumb yeah. shit I say. Yeah, yeah. So, so Oprah, <laughs> I mean, just people live in different, different worlds. And, and we live we live in a quarters world, so we're going to try to swing the pitch. Mm-hmm. We have to, we'll Jimmy Pony or close those gaps pre-snap by lining up in the four eye. Uh, we'll get in two four eyes and play mint. And the last thing we want to try to do is do it out of one high. But again, one high that, that there's those two inside backers are playing run. The two outside guys, the overhangs are playing pass. So that's 
you're getting those guys out of the conference. But that's not what we do. That's basically to solve a problem. Right. I'm a quarters girl and I'm living in a quarters world. That's what I like to tell people. Yeah, I mean, if I was constructing a D, if I was coming into the defensive world in 2020 and I was going to coordinate and I didn't have any prior experience or have a system, I'd run one high and that's where I would start. Now, you might say, well, why don't you do that now? The reason, Chris, by the way, we're not not friends anymore. What? You say that. We're not friends anymore if you say that. Coach, I'm just talking hypotheticals. <laughs> I didn't say anything about the three three stack. Oh, there goes a third of my listeners. Just kidding. That's a joke. Nobody get nobody get yeah, upset. Yeah, was a joke too. Um, but I wouldn't blame you if you did that. <laughs> but um, you know, because I think in the RPO world it is helpful. I think it clears a lot of things up. But. And I, and I struggle with this sometimes. The reason is the reason that we base at a too high is because to me, it gives you more flexibility. I can get to one high easily. And I know that most one high coaches are like, why well, can you get to two high easily? I always think it's easier to come down than go backwards. And so I would rather be in too high and use one high as a change up to stop those certain things. And I guess I, I should rephrase this and I'm not backpedaling, I promise, but if I was to design a game plan or a defense to stop that sort of stuff, I would start in one high. Um, now, obviously, in third down, there's no freaking way. Unless I was a one high all the way, we'd line up in one high and get to two high. But I, you know, I, I, I just we have a system in place. It's easier to come down than to go back. And I, I do think that some of the and I know a lot of people don't believe this, but I believe it's easier to teach quarters and some of the, the one high stuff because not man free, but some of the three deep stuff, because like, you know, if you're teaching three deep and you have to teach a completely set of different rules for, for pro for slaughter twins for two by two for three by one and even empty, you have to alter it and you can give it different names, call it the same thing. It doesn't matter. But you don't have to alter as much when you're in too high. You have to alter a little bit, but the 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 adjustments aren't that aren't that drastic. Where, you know, if you try to play, you know, six sky or whatever you want to call it in Saban's world against twins, you're gonna get killed. You know what I mean? You you definitely can't play versus two by two. And you're gonna be short if you just like if you just cheat chalkboard three rules and use it to every formation, you're gonna get killed. Like it just does it's not gonna hold up. And also you know, I talk to guys that want to run Ripley. They're two high guys and they want to run a real, they want to run rip Liz. I tell them play cover one, unless you have some really specific reason that you need to play rip Liz. So if you're dying to play rip Liz and you just, you just can't help yourself. I would say as an advertisement, if you're a too high senior, you want to use it as a change up, use Dave Aranda's rules. They're easier. I think there are some holes. I think like anything, I think some of the Saban stuff can be overkill if you're not basing out of it. Like if I was basing out his defense, I'd use all of his rules. But if you're using it as a changeup, no, I, I don't think you can do that in high school football. I don't even think you do it in in college or pro football. I mean, we talked about, and you and I talked about Ohio State when they came out. They tried to play Ripley's and quarters, and they could. It was it was hard. Yeah. But but somehow Alabama does it. So, but n- none of us are Nick Saban. So. Anyway, moving on. That's where we're at. We're we're in the seven world, and and six is basically to solve certain problems that we feel we have to. There's condensed splits. There's different things that we do, but 
you know, to teach two majors, you know, that's what the Ohio State guys were saying, you know, those, those are majors, and to do, do two majors, that's really difficult at any level, especially high school. Yeah, for sure. All right, so our next question comes from Tyler Haberski. He's at Harbor Creek High School in Erie, Pennsylvania. His Twitter handle is at Tyler Haberski. That's T-Y-L-E-R-H-A-B-U-R-S-K-Y. His question is, I'm a young defensive coach that is trying to learn the game on defense. What's the best starting point? Ooh, that's tough. Chris, you take this one first. I, I still think games, you know, we, uh, you said a great quote earlier. I mean, football is an easy game. It's made hard by coaches. Yep. Um, I honestly think, you know, if you, as you're trying to be a coordinator, you still want to take care of fundamentals. Um, you want to have, have enough defense that you have some answers. But, you know, as, as you're learning the game, even when I was learning the cover seven stuff, you know, a few years back, you know, we went into the season with bracket switch, uh, cone and box or something like that, you know, like four calls. And we, we kind of add to it as we go along. So, you know, I, I think fundamentals, you know, we love to talk about, you know, we're not going to talk about pursuit drills here, Chris, but oh, you know, we love to talk about no. scheme. But I, I think as a, as a young coach, I mean, you've got to really focus on the things that are going to win you games. To me, that's, that's running to the ball, getting off blocks, tackling. I mean, as you can see right now in college football, you know, that's what we're kind of doing as a staff right now. We're watching some college football to try to see, you know, what some of the errors are people are making coming out of COVID. And, and you know, tackling's a big one right now. You know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a roll tide guy. You know, I'm, I'm excited about that game this weekend, but it's, you know, they definitely have some schematic things that are trying to do a little bit too much, but, you know, we can just fix the tackling. That, that's a big part there. So, you know, you're having, a, having enough answers, but, you know, you don't need four bunch checks. You know, there's, there's a great bunch of checks. There's a great, you know, empty checks, but, to kind of have a couple things in your toolbox and go off of just being good football players, run to the ball, tackling, uh, getting off blocks, all those fundamentals. That, that's to me, as a young coach, is a lot more important than trying to drop or have the best call in a certain situation. Right. I'll tell you a few things. One, get uh, Fritz Shermer's book, Coaching uh, Team Defense. There's, if you can't find it in print, and I normally wouldn't advocate this on the air, but if you can't find the book in print, try to find a digital copy. If it still is in print, make sure you purchase a copy. Uh, if you're a young guy, you may not know who Fritz was. He's a defensive coordinator for the Packers. I think the Rams, a whole bunch of stuff. He's an NFL legend. A legend. His grandson is Pat Shermer. I think it's I think it's his grandson. I, it, he's related to him. Um, get developing a defensive game plan by Kenny Ratledge. I. Kenny's going to owe me some damn money. I hope he hears this. I, I, <laughs> I need a listener to call him and tell him how many times I mentioned his book. I have mentioned it at least 20 times on the podcast, on Glazier, on Huddle. Uh, that's one thing. And then, honestly, you want to pick a system to study inside and out, learn front and back. And then you want to learn at the same time you want to compare it to other systems. So don't try and go, I'm to be honest with you, don't try and go learn the Nick Saban system without learning something first. But find a, a system that's kind of universal, that has a lot of information out there. It could be a high school system. Hell, if you want to, I'm going to plug my Patreon. If you want to join the Patreon and join the Huddle account, I have my system on there for the most part. I mean, it's all cut up by call. Learn a language system. Uh, mine's a little different because you have to, it tells you everything to do. And so it may be helpful for beginners because it spells it out. But a lot of defenses aren't like that. There's more memorization. I'm trying to think of a good defense that there's a lot of information out there that's easy to digest. 
the number one the save the save and stuff but i think that's like the last one you want to learn i mean brent venables yeah. is out there there's always pieces but the brent venables one is good there's a lot of information out there find a defense learn it front and back study that team study how they adjust to formations learn personnel groups learn what personnel groups do learn what formations do why do teams simple stuff that you may not see in a clinic watch a team that uses a sniffer a why off and a why on study the plays that they do understand offense should be probably even one b in there yeah watch offense because you need to see why they're doing certain things. There's a reason why teams that usually have why off or why is a sniffer put them on. Is it to get down the field in a pass quicker? Is it to run stretch? Is it to, you know, run buck sweep to get a better angle? I mean, that's, these are just, and there's no universal answer. Learn receiver splits, learn why offenses are doing the same, the things that they're doing. The thing you need to keep in mind, Tyler, football coaches are, there's a couple things that you always keep in mind when you're studying. Number one, football coaches are anal people by nature. I think football attracts certain type of people and certain personalities. Um, we're anal by nature. Even somebody like me who's not anal in their normal life, like I'm easy going, easy going as they come. Like I might be high strung, but I'm like the easiest person to live with ever. Like I don't give a shit about anything. But when it comes to football, everything is meticulous and whatever. Nothing is by accident. If there's a receiver split where one guy's on and this guy's off and it, it's used to be in the other way around, there's a reason for it. Coaches don't just do shit. Besides maybe just, hey, we're going to throw a bunch of formations at them to see how they line up. But coaches don't do stuff just to do them. There is a reason for everything. Always keep that in mind and understand those reasons. I would keep a notebook. I, I used to take notes on everything. I mean, I used to keep a notebook in my car. When I was first starting out, I was a senior in college. I would listen to Sirius NFL radio with Pat Kerwin, and he'd have on guys. And I found some of my original notes, like what 21 personnel meant. Like, take down everything you can. One thing I would advise, kind of an upper-level thing to do, start a Word document. I like Word because you can do more than Google Docs. I kept like with the TCU system, I kept a, a, a document. It's like 250 pages, 300 pages where I, I split it up into like positions. So D line, you know, overview of the defense philosophy, play calling every category you could think of. And I would just take notes and I'd categorize them. And I just kept a running tab of everything and keep those notes, be organized and just learn and listen. Don't think, you know, everything there's things I'm embarrassed about that I thought X defense was the greatest defense ever because somebody taught it to me. And then I realized, or, you know, I used to, cause I didn't study outside of Gary Patterson for years. And I remember like, there's one time I feel embarrassed to even say this, but I remember talking about five jam, the five jam stuff that TCU does where they run two deep man match zone with, with rusher. And then one of the DNs takes the back. And I remember James being like, I remember thinking that Gary Patterson, and in Gary's defense, he's the only one that runs the whole picture like this. Like, there's nobody that I know that runs that pressure like he does. I've never seen it before to this day. But we were talking about the, I remember I was talking to James Light about the underneath droppers, and he's like, oh, so it's like this. I'm like, no, no, no. It's very specific, very different. And come to find out, there's a lot of people that had, even though they didn't run the whole concept, they ran different pieces of it. And I realized like, oh, this is kind of universal. Like, and so 
never think when you're first learning, there's a fine line you got to walk because when you're learning, you want to learn everything, but you also have to put things in buckets in your brain. Like I remember when I was first learning, you know, Tampa two was just getting really hot. Like it was hot in the early two thousands, but it didn't take over the NFL to like 2004, five, six. When every, I mean, half the NFL was running Tampa two. I mean, remember the Colts were running it. The bears were running into the bucks were running it, the bills yep. were running it. And it was the greatest defense ever. And by three years was gone out of the NFL. You know what I mean? And everybody was like, yeah, it's great. Unless you do this. And then, you know, well, I've seen, I'm old enough now to see trends come and go. Like not a lot of people run split back 20 personnel anymore with two tailbacks that don't motion them out and use them. I mean, Mike Leach does, but like remember frick when Alan Smith, uh, Alan Smith. Yep. When Alex Smith came out, everybody wanted to be 20 personnel, two tailbacks and run triple option. Nobody does that anymore. Very few people, especially now that Tony DeMeo's retired, you know, like I've seen the cycles come and go. And so Never be too good to listen to anything, but also start to develop your own philosophy as you go. Follow your heart, follow your brain. I mean, I sound like a fucking guidance counselor now, but <laughs> you know, if you like high pressure defense, learn a high pressure defense system. If you all, if you like three down, if you're like, oh man, I really love the three, four, learn the three, four, and then learn its pitfalls and learn where the four down stuff and why people do one and do the other. One of the things that I like, one thing, I don't know I'm going really long on this answer, but one thing I loved was when I was studying, and I don't know if they're relevant anymore, but Coach's Choice or somebody used to have the developing, or, God, coaching the 3-4 defense by the experts. And they would take one topic, and they would go, and they would it would be one topic by like 15, 20 different coaches. And you could see the similarities and the differences. And you'd start to see, oh, yeah, Sonny Lubick runs that, Sonny Lubick runs that stunt, like, Everybody in America, when teams started running the 4-3 and 11 personnel became in vogue, what do you do when you get twins to one side, pro to the other? How do you handle that open B gap? You know, like everybody had their own answer. One thing I did is I kept a matrix of answers and I would write, like I had the Saban family, the Venables family, you know, I kept these families and I would write down, okay, RPO, what are their answers? You know, Gary Patterson likes to put the three away from the back and dick with the end to the back. Nick Saban likes to keep the three technique to the field and they do a Jimmy pony thing with the end of the boundary or the end away from the back. You know, you know, Dave Aranda solves things with the front Saban tends to solve things with the secondary and learn how it all goes together, but you need to find a starting point. Anyway, I've gone way too long on this question. Um, bottom line, don't be afraid to learn. I mean, I, I've been yeah. doing this almost 30 years. I, you know, you and I go somewhere every off season. I'm always trying to learn. Don't be afraid to learn. I've made yeah. a job out of this for weird life circumstances and just my thirst for knowledge. I mean, I've been working on this Georgia project and I feel bad because I'll tell my followers like October 1st, I'm like, okay guys, I'm gonna start working on Georgia here in a week. I'll have it to buy you like the eighth dude. It's I'm recording this on October 16th. I'm like halfway done because I get so deep in the weeds and I want it to be perfect. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going to tell you this, Tyler, if you are not intellectually curious on a deep level, this game will eat you up. And that's not something you can teach. That's not something that like that has, like I was talking to my girlfriend tonight because even though I'm not coaching this season, like I'm in season mode, like we're going to get done with this podcast. I'm going to edit it. Then tomorrow I'm going to watch film on my alma mater. You know, the, they got a couple big games coming up and then I got, an, uh, there's a big, you know, top elite program that asked me to watch some of their film. They have a big game coming up. You know, luckily I don't have to do my radio interview on Big 12 Radio this week, but, you know, so I get, I dodge that, but have some other stuff to do. And like, I'm in season mode. 
And like, she's like, something's wrong with your eye. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm stressed and I'm tired. That's, I mean, you haven't seen me in football mode. You've seen me in putting my house together mode. And, you know, you can't teach intellectual curiosity. I think that's something that comes from within. And I think being intrinsically motivated um, also helps. Anyway, I love this question. Tyler, do me a favor. I'm going to follow you on Twitter. I'm literally, this is great radio um, or podcasting. I'm picking up my phone. I am following you on Twitter right now. Never hesitate to reach out. Okay. I, I'm a little busy this time of year, but I always have time for everybody. Hit me up. If you want to watch film or you want to do something, um, you know, you, you want to see some film or you want to have some questions on where to steer. I'll always be here. You can always reach out. It looks like you're already on Twitter. Hell, you already follow me. So l- listen to guys like Chris, listen to blitzology. You want to learn how to defeat pass pro. I'll tell you what, that was one of my weaknesses is I didn't learn a lot about pass pro until later on. Learn that. That's where the game is won and lost right now. When I came in, it was DB, DB play won the game. Right now, it's it's gone back to the front end and how to pressure quarterbacks because it doesn't matter. These quarterbacks are so good down. These receivers are so good. Even the Stefan Gilmores of the world have bad games and they can, you know, and, and again, they have five eligibles. All they got to do is win one matchup. I think that you can get more mileage out of beating protections with cheap and easy pressures. I think those are the types of coordinators you're going to see in the next couple of years. And you've already started to see the guys that will be elite unless you just have a freaky front four. But I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but go look at Bull Pelini. You can't find a school that has better freaking D linemen than LSU or in the top five. And if you rush four and play coverage every snap, and I know there's a lot of people that do it, but I think you in today's game, teams are too good at throwing the ball and, and, and blocking you by RPOs and stuff where they can get around in a dominant pass rusher. So anyway, that's my two cents. I love the question. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. God, I, I'm, I've been going too long on these questions. I'm really sorry. Okay. Okay. So next question, I'll take this one first. This comes from my man, David Burdett. Now, David, you're lucky I'm going to answer your question because I gave you some homework last week and that was to get Twitter. And I see on the form that you still don't have a Twitter account. So not happy about that. It's not a winning business model, but I will answer your question anyway, because it's a really good one, but only because it's a really good one. (laughs) David comes from Tuscola high school in Waynesville. Um, Wait, is this the same guy? Last time he put Asheville, now he put Waynesville. Did you move in the last week? It's the same guy. (laughs) Either the school moved cities or he moved. Maybe he moved this week. I don't know. Anyway, so he's from Waynesville. I'm not sure what state. This is a great question. What is the best technique to teach inside linebackers to read? If you were to see a zone read, Wayne T and Power Eye football out of your three best opponents, what is the best way to get the most bang for your buck? Read guards, near back, stack track, and fall back. You're try- I'm trying to limit the techniques from three different styles of offense. Okay. First of all, I'm going to take issue with one thing. I don't think the wing T and power eye are very far off. So you can put those together, in my opinion. I know there's some misdirection, and, you know, and it depends. Power eye is not created equal. I mean, wing T is pretty standard. You're going to get, you know, a base play, a counter play, and a play action off of that, maybe an interior trap. So you'll have like tackle trap or wing counter where it's a true counter play, or you'll get misdirection where you're going wide and then going inside. So it's kind of like misdirection to the same side. It's like the difference between going like power read and, you know, zone read. One is splitting the defense. One is trying to split you to one side. I'm going to tell you this. I am, I'll be very upfront. I am not a stack track fallback guy. 
in terms, I mean, first of all, stack track fallback is a way to fit a running back. It's not necessarily a read. You can kind of say it is. We're going to tempo the back and all this stuff. Here's my thought. If you're coaching linebackers, I believe in high school, and I may be wrong, and I know there's some really good coaches that I'm really good friends with. I think you're one of them that don't teach it this way, and you're able to get the most out of your guys, and you're probably a better coach than I am. But I will say this. At the end of the day, at some point, your linebackers are going to have to be able to run downhill fast and knock the shit out of something. Stack track fallback, cloudy clear as, not cloudy clear reads, but kind of tempo the back, hang, 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 and go, I think is very good technique for today's offenses if you have a guy with some shit to him. I can program anybody, well, I shouldn't say anybody, I can program, for me, it's easier to program linebackers to run downhill off of stim response reads than it is to feel the ball. And I know that doesn't make sense, because you're like, wait, you're telling me it's easier to read guard to near back, guard tackle bubble to near back than it is just to track the back? For me, and I may be in the very small minority, the answer is yes. And that's because when you're tracking the back, there's a million things that you can do. And I understand that's part of football. You track the back. But to me, it's not about the horizontal path of the back that, that gets me. It's the, it's the vertical, whether to come up in the line and whether or not. I think that takes some real feel. But I can teach a sixth grader that if a guard pulls, I'm going to yell, pull, 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 and I'm going to run to a spot and then track the running back. And I know that a lot of guys do that, but I watch like Georgia, Bama, the guys that are really big on the kind of hang, 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 and then go. I think there's, there's an art to that. And I think that you can teach that type of linebacker play and be sound versus zone. But if you're playing power, eye football, I don't think that's going to work. Conversely, if you teach downhill runs and read and guard tackle bubble to near back, even if it was 50, 50 and not saying that two out of the three offenses that you're playing are downhill pulling offenses. I think you can get away with playing the spread with that downhill linebacker mentality. But I don't think you can get away with doing that stuff when you play the power eye. I mean, I, I can I can edit that those sort of and, and slow a guy down against one back offense where you don't want to run in there because of the zone read and the cutback lanes and things. But I always believe it's easier. You know, what's the old uh, Bill Parcells? A dog will still bite you when he's a puppy. Like it is easier to get kids flying downhill and then put the leash on them. Then start them slow and then try to get them to attack. Like when I got to when I got to Clovis, the linebackers wouldn't fill. And I had all these grandiose plans to play mint where we were gonna nest and play A to C and do all this and fall back and do all this other stuff. I shelved it to the bye week because because until because we played single wing, we played some downhill stuff, and until we could go take on a fullback and ISO, or until we could run the crease and go take out a guard, we were gonna be shit on defense. So that's where I would start. That's before even taking into account what you face. You gave me three offenses. Two of them are downhill pulling offenses. So my answer is very clear. Now, linebacker reads, go find Pat Fox's materials. I did a podcast with them last year. I think it was like episode three or four of the Make Defense Great Again podcast. You can go find that. We talk a little bit about it, I believe. But go find his videos. I think they're in the Glazier Vault. If not, maybe I can try to hit Pat up and see if he'll put them online. That's how we teach our linebackers to this day. Now, I will tell you, if we're playing one gap, we have two rules. We have two back rules, and we have one back rules. And our two back rules, 
or our one back rules become two back rules with power or pull. So if, if we're playing power read and we're, you know, we're, we're being a little slower or one back, we say one back, one gap, unless we're slid over bossed or bowed. We will then, if a guy pulls, we'll go downhill. So, but yeah, that's how I would do it. I would find the Pat Fox stuff. I can do a lot of things on a podcast going through linebacker reads and being very descriptive and seeing it is not one of them. I think you need to go find that stuff. And Pat also you and me, because I've also pimped out your stuff too. <laughs> anyway, I know it's a long winded answer. Coach, how do you feel? I know you and I differ on the, the linebacker read stuff. But but I, we differ because that's basically that the world we live in is a spread world. We're in the area that we're at, you know, I, you know, <laughs> wing teeth last team we faced was wing teeth probably 14 or 15. And, and they were a very good football team. We could have kind of lined up and almost did whatever we wanted to do there. The only thing we really do to get guys downhill is, is against the one back stuff and, you know, or the two back stuff or under center tech stuff. And it might be wrong. It's just the way we've done it is we've actually moved the linebackers up a little bit uh, to kind of get them into that gap a little bit faster. Um, you know, and obviously during those weeks, you know, we'll spend a lot of time in the endo period, inside run, all those type of things trying to fit those. We will, you know, you don't really want to teach two different techniques. And if we were in a season, where we're going to play 50-50, right? That would be really tough. That's something that we would have to go out and research. Uh, but again, we live in such a spread gun uh, world that we, you know, we don't see wing T, double wing again. We move our backers up. That's a whole different deal there. Um, you know, so I'm not the best guy to ask on that because our, our clear cloudy, the way we teach it, works for what we see. And then if we do see that, you know, 21 team or, you know, under center, you know, downhill right now type team, we just move the backers up. And, and for us, that's worked. That might not be the answer for everybody else. And again, if we get into a world where it's, you know, 50-50, then, then we'd have to go and research that and, and try to find better answers. But in, in the world we live in, and it works for us. And I'll say this. If I was in Chris's world, I've seen the offenses that he plays. I would agree. I would do I would do more of that stuff, but I found that if you didn't see that stuff all the time, and again, it's, I agree, I completely agree. We, we'd have to go research that. We would be that was something that we'd have to go look into because that doesn't fit what what world we're in right now. Right. Well, and in you know, it's what you know. Like, and this kind of goes back to the one high, two high conversation earlier. Why would I go to two high? It's what I know, and more importantly, it's what I can fix. Like yeah, I, was just gonna say, I don't, you can fix it. That's, I, I mean, one high world, if I went in the one high world and I started, and it's what also not only what you can fix, what you believe in, you know, my buddy Ray Dayton always used to say, we had this blitz called bear jet. It was the old buddy Ryan 50 blitz. We'd send two guys through the same gap and we were great at it. And he said, well, and, and he, he remarked to me when I would complain how we weren't good at cover two, he'd be like, well, that's because you don't believe in cover two. I said, well, it's not that I don't believe in cover two because fast. You don't believe in it. And he goes, you do it because you have to, or you think you have to, but you're going to sit here and tell me you believe in playing cover two the way that you believe in bear jet. I'm like, well, no, well, human nature, if you're going to stay with something more, you're going to, if you know something more, you're more convinced of it. You're going to stay with it longer. Like if there's something I didn't really believe in and we got hit once, maybe twice, I'd be out of it where if it was something I believed in, I'm like, yeah. I know this works. I'm going to stay with it. So, but completely true. Absolutely. And to Chris's point, if, uh, you know, if I was in that world, I would be calling Chris, I'd be calling Schumann and be like, all right, what's the real magic behind this? How do you teach these guys? Because we just don't, we, I mean, we saw that stuff, but 
we tried to teach it and we would t- we would try to have him tempo the back but usually we would just do shit to knock the ball out and then just let him go run and that's the other yeah. thing is <laughs> this is kind of off topic but if you're having trouble reading stuff knock the ball out stunt spill and then let him run like <laughs> it was funny Ray, bringing up my friend ray again we were talking about our blue pitch two back stuff and hit me up too if you ever want to learn that stuff because you can stop power eye and off tackle run uh, i got a whole library of shit to show you my friend but um my my buddy Ray was remarking, he goes, I love the blue pitch stuff where you're spilling on the edge because your linebackers don't have any reads. Go, what are you talking about? He goes, think about it. He goes, once you clear the A gap and it's not an interior run, you don't have to fit tight in the C gap. You can just go run and track the ball down. So I'm I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite talking about tempo in the back. But at the end of the day, if you're going to teach that stuff in high school, I would that would not be my starting place and if, unless it was like the all offense I was going to see because at the end of the day, a linebacker has to be able to run downhill. And if you have an instinctive kid, then cool, but that's hard. So I'm going to move on to the next question here. Question is from Andrew Gray. He's the wide receivers and special teams coach. Boo! Boo! Yeah. Hey, fake news answer. I'm just kidding. Sorry, Andrew. I forgot to mention some of these guys' position. Oh, and Jadzuski. Oh, my God. Jadzuski is an online coach. I'm helping him out. Oh, my God. What am I doing? I need to do a better job here. I'm just kidding. You know, I love you guys. <laughs> hey, listen, we make you better. You make us better. And and, and, and it, it, the game evolves. I hate watching football where a, a team is shit on one side, like schematically. And the other team just can kill them because they just dumb. Like I want, I like to, I got into this to raise the discourse on football. And I, I get jokes from guys. Cause I have some offensive guys joining the Patreon now. And they're like, like one guy, our first, my first platinum member who gets like built in one-on-one time is a quarterback coach. And he goes, I feel kind of sheepish coming. I'm like, dude, why? Like, like if you guys think that if us defensive coaches think that like, if me going on Twitter and like writing some stuff out there about what offenses should do to hurt defenses, you, you know, you know, now that they know, cause you told them there, otherwise you're going to put your finger in your ears and go la 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 la. They're out there studying. So you might as well know what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Like these guys aren't just going to be like, well, we don't know. So we're just not going to go look at anything. You know what I mean? Like, don't be naive. But anyway, Andrew, to answer your question, which is what is your approach to watching film and breaking down an opponent's film? How do you watch the film to better understand the OC's tendencies, decision-making without relying on the huddle breakdowns? By the way, Andrew's from Bridge Creek High School in Blanchard, Oklahoma. His Twitter account's at Andrew Gray with an A. 17. Okay, I'm going to cop out here. Andrew, I've done a series of videos and blogs. Well, Huddle wrote the blogs based on what I've said and what I've we talked about. But I've done, you know, I did two hours of a one-on-one thing with breaking teams down. I did an hour with, or I guess a two-hour panel webinar um and breaking down i don't rely on huddle's tendencies like their reports but i use the data that i put into huddle and then any kind of notes i see based on personnel but 99 percent of what i do is relies on the data besides like oh hey that looks like you know just gut stuff like they have the running into the boundary like nothing i could teach you per se i mean it's just observation skills like i wouldn't know how to teach you that i mean there's things that we look for but you're asking about the process one thing that I do do, because there's some things that Huddle does not do, 
Um, and that's nothing against them. It's just, it's for what I want. Like I have pivot table set up in Excel to, to make it mimic my call sheet. Well, you can't do that in huddle. Like, and that's okay. Huddle's not anytime huddle makes one change for one person to make change for how many tens of thousands of coaches are on huddle. So they're not just going to make some custom for me. Um, so I have a, I do some pivot tables. I still export my data, but I'm relying on that stuff. And if you're interested in that, I did in fact on my Twitter at coach fast, I've posted the pin tweet is the blog, which is literally a checklist of how I watch film and how I break teams down, regardless of whether I'm using huddle to do it or the old way where I made cutups and, or I watched, you know, DVDs or whatever that is the exact process. And I'll post the link in the show notes, but you can go follow me or look at, at coach fast and you'll see it as my pin tweet. So I'll turn this one over to you, coach. Well, this is a loaded topic. We go pretty long here. So, I'll, I'll keep it brief. You know, my thought, what we like to do is, is a, you know, a word that Chris likes to use a lot, division labor. Um, you know, so we're going to have the defensive line coach and, and everyone on the staff, you know, it lets them buy in to feel like they're a part of something. But, you know, the defensive line coach is really going to focus on, on their pass protection. You know, and as a, as a coordinator, you know, I'm not going to be able to watch everything. You know, there's, there's down distance, there's formations, there's all these different tendencies. There's receiver splits. There's certain things that you might miss. So, you know, if, if you're a young staff, you might have to teach these guys what you're looking for and, and, and what you want out of it. But, you know, the divisional labor of I'm going to put the linebacker coach, he's going to really focus on the run game. He's going to tag the run plays. You know, we're not going to say one coach is going to do a game and this coach is going to do that game. You know, we're going to take certain columns in there. So I think that really has a lot of buy-in. And then we start talking about protections or blitzes, you know, that, that guy feels like, hey, I'm in charge of this. Like, I'm going to tell everybody, you know, all four of us or five of us, like, you know, they're a half man, half slide team on a third down. They're going to do this. If you give them five up, they're going to do this. And then, so everyone kind of takes a different part of the game. You know, we'll have the, the corner coach. He'll, he'll tag in route thrown. Okay. Three by one. What, what routes are they throwing on that backside? So I, I think, you know, that's a loaded question. There's, you know, there's a fine art to that. Um, I've read Chris's stuff. Those things are great to look at. Um, but, but I think if you have a couple guys on defense or, or a couple of guys that you can use, to kind of divide that labor up and then have some guys kind of be experts in things. It just adds into the buy-in um, as a staff. And then you start getting guys that, you know, might want to draw scout cards. Oh, coach, I'll do the passenger pressure cards or, you know, or that type of stuff. So the more people that can buy in, I think it's better, you know, it's, it's better life and better world for you as a coordinator. Um, and that, that's, that's always what I can add to that part. Again, that's, you can do a couple hours just on, on game plan and watch a film. And there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, trial and error and a lot of just kind of knowing what to look for. But I think if you can divide it up, that's a, that's a big key. I'm trying to do everything yourself. Yeah. Unless you have a staff, like the one I had last year who were shit, then, uh, you get no, there's no doubt. But again, you, if you then, can kind of have a guy buy into like, you are the, the co-run coordinator and I want to know, <laughs> you know, when they have a sniffer, you know, to the boundary, what, what are they running? Or something? So yeah, if you have guys that don't want to work, then that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I had guys last year that when the one good guy on my staff would do stuff for me, they would call him my bitch. I, I, I should shut up, that's, but yeah, that's, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've had, I got terrible. spoiled at Sarah and all the other places I've been and I got a rude awakening. Oh, I'm spoiled. Defensively, we have a great staff. I mean, yeah. Fails. And you're about to have a super cool new analyst on your staff. I heard, I don't know if that's true or Absolutely. not, but yeah. I'm, 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 I'm hoping. He's not too busy for us. 
Oh, he's not. He, listen, he's never too busy for you, my friend. I love it. <laughs> no. All right, Andrew. I, I don't know if that answered your question, but seriously, like I've done, and I don't mean to cop out, but I've literally done four hours of video and a checklist on this. That is be more descriptive than anything I could give you right now. Absolutely. I will say this. I look at personnel first. Everything is based on formations within a personnel group. And then I look at down a distance. That's that's the basis of how I game plan. I try to defend the plays that you run out of formations that you run out of the personnel groups that you run. To me, down and distance does not matter until later on. I've said this a million times, but down and distance does not matter to me until later on. Because you need to have a holistic approach to defending a personnel group. If you look at down a distance too early, you will start to splinter your game plan and you'll have a bunch of you'll have a bunch of random ass calls like, oh, here's my second and 12 call. Well, you're not coaching an offense like you don't need a second and 12 best specific call. Do they run draws and screens more? OK, then maybe have a twist on or something, you know, maybe play a coverage where, hey, they're they're uh, they're throwing more a lot of tailback screens. Well, then put somebody man to man on the running back. But I'm not going to like have a special it's you know, you're not coaching offense. So. Check that stuff out. If you have any questions, hit me up. This next question comes from Bill Foreman, who coaches linebackers at Camden County High School in Kingsland, Georgia. His Twitter handle is at coach underscore Foreman. That's F-O-R-M-A-N. His question is, what is your favorite or default coverage to trips near? I'll take this one first. Now, I'm guessing what he means by trips near is three by one with the back to the three by one. Uh, I will say this. Um, this is a pretty short answer for me. We like uh, the stubby stump stuff. We call it special or stump. And what we do is we take the overhang and we put him out of the fit. We have the backer play. the So we flip our will to trips. So we play Mike and Will. We flip our backer to trips. If you're a 4-2 team or a 3-3-5 team that their end is playing like a stand-up linebacker or whatever, if you're playing with two inside linebackers, I cannot recommend this enough. If you are getting into one high, Again, division of labor. You have an over guy that's always your overhang. You have a guy that's always in the box. You're not having to cross train. You always can cross train your guy, but you're not relying on the cross training. Like it's one thing to cross train players and, and get them to be able to play multiple positions. But I've said this before. In 2016, we had two linebackers, and one was much better than the other. And all a team had to do was get in a three-by-one to get our really good linebacker out of the box. Stupid. So we flip it like Bama does, where they flip their mon- money. Uh, so we just say, just like we were talking about earlier, back is to the trips. He is now out of the fit. He has to sit on the RPO. Um, and then we have to get our safety playing the B gap fit, or we have to knock it out and spike the end. We tend to set our three technique to the back or the field. So the open B gap is in the boundary. So we can do, we call Jimmy or pony where the end will go inside. Well, I don't really think you need Jimmy pony. Jimmy Pony is more for two by two when your overhang is clearly out of the box. If your safety is fitting the B gap on the backside, he is in the box. I mean, he's deep, but he's in, he's his line of sights in the B gap. He can play it from there, especially with the back weak. The ball's not going to hit fast at his side. So like, for example, when we ran Jimmy Pony, we called it flame. We only, we only Jimmy ponied to two by two. If it was three by one, it was off. So that's just us. I know some people do that. Some people will Jimmy pony. I will say this. That was one week. Another week's game plan. We Jimmy ponied everything because the back was big, and but he was not quick. So we wanted to give him um, an open B gap. For those of you who don't understand what Jimmy pony is, it is when the end 
plays the C gap on a base block and then rips inside. Some people call it the old nine jam seven technique that used to be run out of a four, three with a nine technique. Uh, I think Jimmy is that pony is when it's a three technique to that side. So the three tech and the five tech both do that same technique. It's basically old school pirate yeah. pirate stuff. Yes. Except that it is, it is a jab and then go it is. It's the pirate, it's, it's but yeah. you're not going on the snap. You are playing the base block and then you are ripping inside. So some teams like we played cut on the backside for basically playing two traps. So we would do that. So we did keep it on that week. We would kind of change it. I forgot about that. So I said, we don't do the three by one. We do do the three by one. That's how we would defend it. There are some people that play cover three that they play what they call adjusted. So if you follow the Saban defense, you'll see like seven adjusted, six adjusted, whatever adjusted adjusted means. If it is three by one gun strong, whatever the coverage is checks to three buzz. So your deep safety is going to come down and he is going to play outside shoulder or slightly inside of number three. He will drop on him. That is good. Uh, I know there's some guys that really like that. I know Pete Golding really likes that. They did a lot of UTSA. We tended to just play man free with our split safety stuff. We would actually play like palms, a two by two man free to three by one. The only downside of that is one, it's if you're a too high team, it, you give up your disguise because your backers are in the box. Your backers have to be in the box. The other thing is if you're setting your three to the field, which I would still advise because you want to cut the field off, your your weak side backer now has to be your force player and your mic has to drop off of two weak into the boundary, which is something that he's not used to doing. So there are some trade-offs, but there are people that swear by it. I think it's, I think it's again, now you said division labor. Now I'm going to, you know, I can't stop saying it. Uh, it's the, it's no, 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 it's fine. It's the Sesame it. street phrase of the week. Like uh, fra- yeah, phrase of the week um, that enables you to have your safety on the stick. Your backers on the run. There's no conflict. You take the conflict out of the player's hands. So that those are my go-tos. Um, we don't have default anything. Like we don't even have like we, I mean, we have default three back and empty checks, but we're always mixing and matching. So I hate when I hate to say this because I know it sounds like a cop out, but we don't default shit. So, what what's your thinking there? Uh, well, you know what we do, obviously. So a lot of things you just said. Obviously, we make sure we work a three four push. You know, if that's got to be in there, uh, we've talked about this before. We make a frozen call. The the Disney movie Frozen. Basically, that just means let it go. Uh, but the number one thing we're gonna do it there is, is play stump. And then, you know, there is some things, obviously, with, with four strong load. We want to play some one high, and then just that adjusted. It's basically, uh, you know, our Bronco drop or, or rotating strong to that because, um, obviously, there's four guys over there. Um, you know, we can jimmy your pony to the front. The only thing we always jimmy the pony to the front is, we talked about this before, uh, is seven switch because that guy's out of there, and he's got all two with inside leverage. So anytime we're seven switch, that guy's going to jimmy your pony to the front. Um, and like you said, in this, we don't have to. It's something we can do if need be. If, you know, if we want to just make everything spill. Um, but like you said, I mean, basically, we're running stump. We're running the, the seven adjusted where we want to get into one high and then make sure we got the three full push taken care of. Right. Yeah, that's good stuff, too. Yeah, it also depends on if it's an RPO down. Like, I wouldn't like the three bus stuff as much with, like, if it's, like, three, four push with a swing. Just my personal preference, because that's not what we do. 
But um, like you also have to know, like if it's third and eight, I'm not checking. To, uh, I would not. I would take the adjusted call off, which is why. Absolutely. And I oh, say absolutely. this all the time. Oh, this is why I hate automatic formations, because we played a team it was I pro, and on first and second down they were power, they were ISO, they were flash and pass. When it was third and nine, they would be an I, and they're going to throw to the X receiver. So on first and second down, I want to be in a sky coverage. I want to be in Bronco where my weak safety is playing down on the run. He's either reading too weak or he's reading the tackle and he's filling out to get an eighth guy in the box. The way we played Robert would be a ninth guy. I do not want to be in that on third and nine. I want to be in some sort of cone on the X. Not not mega cone, like cone. Like that dude's doubling him, you know, yep. from depth. So checking formations, that's why I like tagging a defense like an offense. Do you want a three-by-one RPO check. Nobody's going to run stick freaking zone lock stick on third and 12, unless you're on your, like yeah, on your five yard line. And even then you're probably not you're just going to hand the ball off. I'm talking about on your own five yard line, like, you know, whatever. So anyway, yeah. so that's my answer there. Um, anything else you want to add there? No, like I said, that's, uh, you know, me pretty well. So that that's what we're doing over there is, is playing stop for the three bus. All right. Last question of the day from my friend and one of the best three back coaches in America, Gus Capolka. Actually funny story about Gus. I watched a three back clinic with him back in like 2015. He did the glazier thing. And I, I, I messaged him and said, Hey coach, I love your presentation. I called him on the phone and I was like, listen, I'm having some trouble. We're playing some three back stuff. You know, I promise not to tell anybody like how I, you know, what you tell me. And I, and I actually sadly lost the notes and we went over some stuff and he just, you know, gave me some ideas and some things. And, um, but, uh, late later on, um, like five years later, Gus followed me on Twitter and we were talking one day. I'm like, God, I know this name from somewhere. I know this name from somewhere. And I just searched in my computer and I found like, it was like my calendar reminder from my phone. Cause you know, it saves everything called Gus. It was cool to reconnect with him. He's the head coach, I believe. Yep. At Cedar Springs high school in Cedar Springs, Michigan. His Twitter account is at Gus underscore Capolka. I hope I'm saying that right. That's K a P O L K. Um, his, he's actually got a real tough question. So I'm gonna let you take this one first again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll take this first. Uh, his, his question is thoughts on defending 11 personnel. Why attached empty? It gets the ball out quick in the passing game typically two seconds or less. And they like to run QB power, run stuff, dart GT, and they will RPO off that look by reading the linebackers and throwing a slant behind him. If he likes to fill or running the ball front side, if he likes to hang. Okay. So I, again, I, I have just as much information on this as I, you know, what I read you is what I have. I'm going to assume that everybody's equal in terms of talent. This is, first of all, this is really tough. Uh, and this may be a bullshit um, answer. But this is what I would do. I would get into the tight front. Um, I would play quarter. I would play palms to the trip side. And the apex nickel would basically bracket the tight end with the inside linebacker of that side. And then what I would do is to the boundary side, I would walk the Jack off the ball. Be careful. I say that 
and I would play palms, probably palms or probably palms more than quarters and say palms or quarters, but palms. But I would basically, we're going to play palms to both sides. We're going to have to bracket the tight end with the nickel and the mic. Uh, the DNs will cop late. Now I know the tight front and my original thought when you asked the question was, well, don't play the tight front because the tight front's not great versus dart. And it's not great versus uh, counter. But it's not as good as even fronts, I don't think. But the problem with even fronts is if you play one high, you're still going to be in a five-man box. Uh, whether you play Bama's flood coverage or whatever, it's just, it's not great. You're, you're having to walk the back around. You're having to spill the ball out there. With the lag nose now, one thing I will say is you can do this two different ways. If you run the tight front, lag the nose and try to get him front side. Um, I would say I'm not big on slanting the nose, but I would try to find where they're running the ball to. And I would get the nose to that side, wherever the, 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 the ball's going to go because the center is always going to block back or try to single up. I'd also maybe manipulate the front. So for example, maybe you play the nose to the tight end, shade him, play a backside three, and then just say, Hey Jack, you have the C gap and just take your chances. You know, it's, you, I mean, I know they're going to RPO off that look, but at, at some point, you know, you're pulling two guys and you got no back help and you're RPO with the quarterback. I mean, my first thought is find out where they're running the ball to and try to run. Uh, I don't know if this would work, but maybe Aranda's Tolzine call where you're going to loop the four eye to a five and then blitz one of the backers in the B gap. So maybe do that to the tight end side. Now you'd have to have the will kind of combo. If you're doing that, you'd have to have the will combo with the nickel and the tight end, but then you have nobody to watch the quarterback. So if they run QB draw or something, you're in trouble. Um, to be honest with you, I would now I'm just kind of, as I'm drawing this, I mean, Gus, this is a really good question. I can usually do most of these in my head. Uh, I start, I'll be really honest with you. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I started to draw up uh, an answer or started to talk through an answer. And I just told Chris, like, I got to stop. And we had to start over. <laughs> and I had to draw it out. We're both sitting here with our pen and paper. Um, if, if I can use 12 guys, I got to get that. But I got I to gotta sneak out of 12 guys somehow. One thing I would think about doing if they're hitting you on counter, they're pulling strong, is I would slant the tackle to the tight end and blitz the will on the backside a what that does is it gives you a four-man pass rush it doesn't take the backer to the tight end away from the tight end and um but i don't know if they're pulling you can either try to hit it on the run or read out um but i would try to play it straight and just keep everything contained inside and then with the with the backers, what I'm looking at here is you got to spill an overlap. Now I would say to be 100% honest with you, if they are getting the tight end, cause the hardest thing on the tight front is releasing the tight end on a linebacker unimpeded 
if that's happening now, if they're, if they're basing out on the overhang and wrapping inside, then do your thing. But if they are, if they're taking that tight end with a free shot to the mic and running counter dart power, whatever, and kicking out the nickel, which is not what you want to do anyway, I would play a five. I would, I would get to the under, I'd play a, a tight, uh, a tight shade by the, the zero. I'd shade him. I'd move the four eye to a five or a heavy four. At least if you're in a four, they have to honor the down block. They, they can't just go down inside. And if they do, then you can slant outside and then you give them problems. And then I would pull the backside three, uh, a four eye to a three. Now that leaves you short on the edge to that side. But, you know, in the under, your weak inside linebacker should be protected anyway. And you have the jack over there into the boundary who at some point you're going to have to, you're going to have to take your chances. I mean, they won't throw the RPO if you're getting your ass kicked all night up front. That may be a completely terrible answer. That's the great thing about this mm-hmm. podcast is I am completely honest with you. I do not have all the answers. I am 100% transparent. That may be an awful answer. I'm going to turn it over to Chris and I'm going to pretend like this didn't happen. <laughs> well, let's go to the theme of the night, right? Anything hard go under what? Yeah, you could do that. One, no, 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 nowhere the you know I put that strong shape or whoever the post safety is off that tight end because obviously you're you're trying to play under there on the line. That's not something that we would do you know, very good at. And uh, I mean that's a great formation, you know. So uh, it's something uh, we'll have to make sure we research so we don't see that this year. I don't like so, this. <laughs> we will just just split it. Split it. His quarterback cannot see with tears in his eyes. That's right. Some wise man once said that. Yeah, and talking with Chris, I mean, yeah, you could do the end. Now, how would you do that? Would you would you put the line? I'm just literally drawing it here. I'm like, uh, I mean, there's definitely things that are open, but, you know, that that at least, you know, if you talk about the run game-wise, you know, that that weak side A-gap's open, your mic's there, your strong side C-gap's open, but if that that post-safety – and kind of almost vice or double that tight end where it gets to the post. You can at least in there, and then you're just playing one-on-one everywhere else, and hopefully your guys can match up, but you're talking about four detached receivers. You have to have four cover guys, you know, with with all things being equal, that it's kind of easy to find a, a mismatch over there somehow. So that's a great formation. Yeah, I'm deleting this. <laughs> <laughs> this will never see the light of day. Thank you. I can, I can uh, one of our opponents watching this is like, oh shit, okay. No. Thanks, thanks for giving me nightmares. I bet you five bucks says Gus came up with this formation. He's like, yo, we see this team, they do this, this thing. Like, how would you defend this? Now, one thing I will say is he is saying that it is eleven personnel. So one of those receivers are running back. So I would say if you're gonna play okay. man, okay. how good is he as a receiver? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess if they're moving him out there, he's got to be yeah, pretty good. Is it the tight end on the three-man side or the two-man side? They drew up both ways. It just said Wyatt. I mean, I guess I guess it's he's always to the three-man side. I mean, unless you're like trips. I mean, I guess they could be. I thought it was, the first way I drew it up was three strong tight end receiver week. Oh, That's the way I first drew it. I drew it up. Okay, I drew it up. I'm sorry. I'm like, if you move the tight end and still the same for me, I got you. I drew up tight end receiver receiver with twins on the other side. I drew it up both ways. I was trying to find an easier oh, answer. Shit, there's another oh, answer. Oh, just... Yeah. Um. You know, because of... yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm deleting. You didn't this. get that question. <laughs> I'm deleting this podcast. 
<laughs> What's that? Delete the whole thing. So just delete the whole thing. I think just I'm actually. I think this. You know what, Gus? This is a good place to call a career. I'm done here. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Chris! Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> we ended on a terrible note. Uh, that was fun. I'm now gonna go and cry. Um, but, uh, no, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully we, uh, we get to do some game plan this year together and you guys get to start. What is it? December 8th. Is that the day you're supposed to start? That, that, that's the cap start. And then early January is the season. Awesome, man. Well, good luck this season. Yep. If you have one, if not call me, we'll go. We'll, we'll, I'm sure there'll be some team that'll let us come. Maybe we may have to call around a bunch but um, we we got to get out we have to get out this fall or this uh spring or winter when's when's the california season over uh playoffs are early april i think it is or, or the finals are like early april i was hoping to still get to, uh spring games you know we got a couple watch. kids that want to go out and head out watch it'll be I, the, I the weekend of all the spring games i think maybe we could do the tennessee where nobody's there and they just let us hang out for a week that was the best that was a great trip. That was all time great trip. Like here, here, you can go anywhere you want. Nobody's here. We were there on Good Friday. There was literally nobody there. All right, man. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks again to Chris King for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. I know this is a long one. And I know sometimes in the season, you don't have as much time. People asked. I answered. We got 50-50. Topic pod, Q&A pod. Also, you got the show notes. So if you want to fast forward, you can do that. I will not be offended. Make sure you check me out on Twitter at Coach Vass, at MDGA Podcast. The website is www.coachvass.com. Make sure you check that pin tweet for the latest subtle blog and the scouting checklist. Give the Patreon of you, www.patreon.com slash Coach Vass. I just put up notes from my Clemson clinic for the silver and gold and platinum members. A couple years ago, they talked about the triple option, so I put some notes up there. You can check that out. CoachTube course is in the show notes, along with Coach Phillips's course. Make sure you check out the huddle highlights feature and subscribe and rate and review the show. And as always, don't forget the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.